Welcome one and all to episode 52 of the Scum and Villainy podcast, a weekly Star Wars podcast where we break down the latest and greatest in Star Wars news. I'm your host, Garrett McDowell, and in my co-pilot seat on this jam-packed episode... It's Noah to George. Jam-packed is the word for it. There's and you thought you guys thought that last week's episode was was just really really full. This week I'm not going to say that we're going to go two and a half hours, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Hold on, let me. Okay, I knocked on wood. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what? Last week's was an exception. You know, if you guys didn't check it out, we were celebrating the 20th anniversary of Attack of the Clones, which uh, actually just celebrated its anniversary, I believe, yesterday. Yes, it was uh, But yesterday. we did uh, a little early celebration of it, uh, talking about all of our complicated you know, history and current thoughts and how our feelings have changed over the years uh, about that movie. And from my calculations, we talked about 10 minutes longer than the actual movie is. So we could have sat down, watched the movie from start to finish, <laughs> and it still wouldn't have been as long as that episode. But I had a lot of fun with that. And uh, it was a pleasure uh, talking about that movie in our very first movie review, actually, for this show. Yeah. yeah it's, so. it's a very exciting thing to be able to just go back into history and not have to worry about spoiler review parts, you know? Yes. Yeah, we did not have a spoiler warning for this uh, 20-year-old movie. <laughs> but today, Noah, we are not talking Attack of the Clones. In fact, we have a very full episode uh, with some hot, 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 hot news. Whoa, uh, hot fresh off, the, off press. the press. Exactly. I woke up to this news, actually, on my day off. Thank you. Uh, but it is <laughs> a brand new issue of Vanity Fair. We are going to be talking about all of the news of the uh, Star Wars on the big and small screen and all of the many updates that we got on that surprising amount of updates, actually. Uh, the official Obi-Wan press tour has begun. We're going to be talking about that as well. Uh, and to cap off this episode, Noah, we are going to be celebrating again Obi-Month Kenobi. Tis the season. We're coming uh, to an end. It is It is like swiftly approaching how fast Obi-Wan Kenobi is, is ending. Yes, and then the the celebration does not end there because uh, next week is it's the big week. It's the big it's week. It's the huge week. Yes, it's a you, massive week. Yeah, it hit because me they, a couple uh, days ago, actually, that I was I like, I was like, well, what day is it? Holy criminy! I know. I know. It's, <laughs> it's it's almost here. It's ridiculous. I was thinking because um, I'm of course not gonna. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a working boy, and I was thinking I was like, well, I'm gonna have to tell my boss that like I can't come in those days, and I was like, <laughs> oh my god, that's like a few days away that I have to have to let them know by. So it's just it's just crazy. It's coming. Must it's be coming. Nice. Must be exactly. nice. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, gonna boss. I'm gonna at, be yeah. celebrating to Star Wars for four days straight. <laughs> I'm gonna be I'm gonna be sitting at my at my eight to five job just twiddling my thumbs being like well i can't go on my phone i have mm -hmm. to wait to watch obi-wan until you know when i get home it's yeah. going to be the most like grueling day ever. well hopefully you'll be able to go home and you can turn on like the day-long stream that they have and you'll be able to celebrate you know get your star wars pjs and your blanket and your cup of java juice and just enjoy yourself but oh, it's gonna be a good weekend i'll tell you that much i can't wait but before then noah we are going to be breaking down uh, at the end of this episode our top three uh, top three favorite obi-wan kenobi lines as i said we're continuing our celebration of obi month kenobi uh, and that will be kind of the last themed episode that we have uh, for this month before we we dive into the show itself. So very excited to be talking about that. Uh, but before we get there, Noah, we have got a ton, a ton of news uh, from today's release of the uh, Vanity Fair article, which is the June issue, which is all about the future of Star Wars and Lucasfilm on the big and small screen. 
Uh, like I said, this article dropped this morning and fans were treated to a really in-depth article about the, the future of the galaxy far, far away uh, with uh, uh, real, uh, some great photos from legendary photographer Annie Leibowitz, um, who, of course, has had a really long relationship uh, with Star Wars and the article, uh, which I forgot to mention, is written by Anthony Bresnikin. Uh, so lots to discuss there. Also a small uh, promotional video, which was uh, promoting the, the issue itself. Got to see a lot of the cast members of various shows together, which was a lot of fun. So we, like I said, so much to discuss here. It's a pretty in-depth article. So we're going to kind of go through the big takeaways. Not going to be going through every single quote. Um, like I said, very in-depth article, so I, I recommend all of you guys give it uh, give it a read, give it a couple of reads, because you might uh, you know miss a few things here and there. Uh, so we're going to kind of go project by project and and break down some of the insight that was revealed uh, from each pro- uh, project. So I want to start off with Noah uh, uh, talking about Obi Wan Kenobi, because uh, you know this is the show that, like we said, it's it's coming up next. It's just next week, so there's not a ton of new insight that was revealed about this series. Um, like I said, we are going to be talking about um, some of the uh, cast, uh, some 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 cast insight uh, in our next story here regarding the uh, the press junkets and the press tour, uh, which has been kicked off for Obi Wan Kenobi. But we did get some new images of the cast member, including Mr. Darth Vader himself. So Noah, I've attached here on our little show notes here a couple of new images, uh, including uh, Kenobi, Vader, and Reva, uh, just Vader and Reva, as well as. Aiden Christensen training uh, and with a with a big old flowing cape. Uh, yeah, what's kind of your cape, reaction man. to a bunch of these images? Well, I saw that and I my first thought, which this is like horrible to say, but my first thought was I was like, no way that's actually like really there. No way they're actually like really doing that. No way I'm actually seeing this right now. Mm-hmm. Who's in that suit? What's happening? And then seeing Hayden Christensen training uh, with Ewan McGregor's stunt double, that in and of itself is very interesting because I know that like we've seen a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff with both Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen training mm-hmm. uh, for their fighting. So that you know that kind of sparks to me like, well, this is going to be a little bit interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that some reports have been circulating that the fighting like we had we had kind of uh i guess theorized sort of like what yeah. is this going to be more like is this going to be more like prequel fighting is it going to be more like mm-hmm. sequel trilogy fighting um and some reports have been circulating that it will be more like prequel fighting and the fact that i can see hayden christensen with a training lightsaber and a sweet cape for sweet no cape. reason just what you know just a cape for no well, reason. I would assume. So let's let's talk about the cape of it all, because I would yeah, assume yeah. this kind of tells me that Hayden is doing a fair amount of the 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 fighting in the Vader suit. That he's right. not just you know doing a you know a couple of scenes here and there. It seems like he's really getting in there and getting involved in you know. Uh, whereas you could really just have a stunt double or a you know a professional a tall fighter, person, you know, yeah, a big guy, you know. Um, but it's it's really interesting to me that that he's actually you know taking it upon himself to to be in that in that role uh, to that degree. 
agree. And like you had mentioned, um, it was actually going to be one of the one of the main stories we were going to talk about this week. But uh, things change. But uh, uh, in the May edition of Total Film Magazine, um, Christensen had uh, been interviewed regarding some of the uh, the fighting and what fans can in, uh, anticipate seeing. Uh, and he's actually quoted in saying, "We're more in line with the prequels than we are with how the fights are in the original trilogy. Uh, these characters have aged, but not that much." So this is actually, yeah, something I think fans can really look forward to is seeing a fighting style that is more similar to the prequels uh, and and something that fans of the prequels will no doubt be uh, anticipating. I know I've seen a lot of people kind of lamenting that we haven't seen something like that since the prequels and really wanting that to uh, to come back here. So I think fans are, are going to be up for a real treat there. Uh, but it's just great seeing uh, Chris uh, Hayden here with with the cape. And I think, you know, uh, uh, it's not just a fashion choice. I think it's a practicality choice of like, OK, you're going to be fighting in this big suit. And yeah, maybe it might be a little bit overkill to actually put that whole thing on you. But this cape is re- going to be restrictive and you can't move certain ways and you don't want your lightsaber getting caught up in it. So let's have you uh, train here uh, in this in this cape more for just, you know, not it's not it doesn't just make a great picture, which it does. <laughs> it makes an, an incredible picture. Yeah, a very uh, tactically placed fan <laughs> that is just having this cape just billowing in the wind. It looks I incredible, don't know, man. That's that gives me some uh, that gives me some of those like poster vibes. You know the uh, the poster where uh, where Anakin's like robes are kind of billowing out, and it's like the mask of Vader. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah, Composited yeah. into the robes. Mm-hmm. That's what that gives me. Uh, yeah, it's kind of it's yeah. kind of just great. Nothing has changed since then. Uh, that's yeah, it's so great to see that. Um, you know, I don't really make much of the uh, other gentleman in the photo being uh, McGregor's stunt double. Hell, this you know this might not even be them training you know Andy Leibovitz might have come in and say oh you know oh they're training okay let's get let's get Hayden and this and this guy together and put up a fan and make it look really dramatic we don't really know uh, right. what this is like here they are training like right next uh, to a wall so <laughs> <laughs> it does not uh, look like the ideal uh, yeah, choreography very, space looks very cumbersome I feel like you'd bang in you know be banging your elbow but <laughs> very excited to uh, to see that there and I think fans are going to be up for a real treat because I know that you know uh, as much as i love the sequel trilogy you really only get one real you know lightsaber on lightsaber duel and so i'm very excited to uh, be seeing that here but let's look at this other photo of the trio of them you've got kenobi and reva and vader uh, who knows if that's actually uh, Hayden in the suit there. I'm going to go ahead and tell myself that it is just because it makes me happy. Uh, but he's looking terrific. It's, you know, it's just something that you just never really get tired of seeing. Uh, seeing he looks that. fresh. He looks really he, fresh. He looks clean right out of that back to tank. No, <laughs> Real still, polished up. Yeah. His hair is still a little bit damp. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, like what is your uh, kind of reaction to uh, seeing this image as well as the other image that looks more of like a uh, looks closer to like a sizzle reel kind of behind the scenes image of vader and reva that's one of the first things so this image is the first thing that i saw and like i said before i was like am i really seeing this is this like did somebody just photoshop in a a, you know picture of darth vader into this like scene did somebody crop all this together Mm -hmm. uh no they did they did not uh you can see that they're on the volume which is awesome Um, Mm -hmm. I really love that. And, you know, seeing all the other photos and things and seeing kind of the behind the scenes process of this, you just know that, you know, 
they're they're just doing this thing. It's it's crazy. I don't know. Part of me says maybe it is like Photoshop together. I just don't know why I can I can't get my brain off of it. I think it's mm-hmm. I think it's Obi-Wan's look. Um, that he looks a little bit misplaced in this, but I can definitely tell that they're all just standing there. Yeah. And maybe I'm just having a hard time believing this because, you know, what a time to be alive. I never thought I would see this ever, you know? Yeah. You know, Annie Leibovitz is, is someone who has a very specific uh, uh, style uh, when it comes to these types of spreads. And if you look back on her, like uh, Avengers, uh, I believe it was Infinity War. I don't think it was... Uh, I don't think it was in game, but yeah, she has a very particular look to some of these photos and also keeping in mind that it's not a, um, you know, it's not a, a poster. Like a lot of these people are composited to fit the pages of a magazine yeah. and to kind yeah. of have this big spread there. Um, and so she has this really kind of portrait, you know, very distinct sensibility. I, I don't have the language to necessarily describe it other than it looks great. <laughs> looks really good. I, Any I mean, idiot can tell you. It exactly. looks great. <laughs> and she has uh, those wonderful images of from The uh, the Last Jedi, which I really love. She's also been doing like Phantom Menace stuff. Like I talked about, she's been, she's been in this for a very long time. And she has that legitimately one of my favorite photos of uh, Mark Hamill holding Carrie Fisher and oh. Like oh my it's, goodness, it's, yeah. it just brings a tear to your eye. It's amazing. But yeah, her, her work in Star Wars is pretty unparalleled. And uh, to see that trend continued with this. And also, you just get to have that fun of looking back on The Phantom Menace and seeing the, you know, how, how far things have come since then. So yeah, not a ton of new insight regarding Obi-Wan Kenobi, but we are going to be uh, uh, continuing talking about that in our next story. Uh, but we did get some insight regarding Andor. Um, and this is a series, I don't know about you, but I think a lot of fans just have been kind of maybe not sleeping on, but maybe seem preoccupied or seem to kind of be like, oh yeah, Andor, Andor is coming. And I'm really excited to hear more about the story because I feel like every time I hear something about this series, it gets me more and more excited for it. Uh, and what we learned in this is no, um, exception. Cause yeah, I can agree with that. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Diego Luna was describing this series as a refugee story with desperate people fleeing the empire at the full force of its power. Um, the uh, the story is describing uh, Cassian uh, as early in his life, his planet is is ravaged or destroyed. And because of that, he's kind of on the run and goes from someone who is very cynical uh, and kind of without hope to being someone who's seen that this fight is is worth fighting uh, and to seeing his, his character really grow over the course of this show. Um, and, and Tony Gilroy was talking about all of this and how he transforms into the rebel soldier that we see uh, in, in Rogue One. Uh, but also we learned that Mon Mothma is really going to be at the forefront of the story as well. And she's going to have her own storyline, which is will be uh, running parallel to Cassian's. Um, and we also got some images of the two of them. So I don't know about you, but this was the thing that really got me. Uh, very excited for the series and I'm really hoping that we uh, hear more about this at Celebration or maybe even a trailer or another sizzle reel or something like that but this sounds great I'm pumped. Yeah I could definitely see a teaser or something happening uh, at Star Wars Celebration because this really is right around the corner and Mm -hmm. the amount of coverage that Andor has received from this article alone uh, tells me that you know yes Obi-Wan is happening, obviously. It's the most anticipated Star Wars thing ever, 
However, yeah. we're going to start shifting our focus pretty soon. And this is going to be something we want people to lean into. And like you said, this is something that got me, you know, more excited for it now than I've mm-hmm. been before. Yeah. Because I like that idea of this story. I like that idea that, you know, Tony Gilroy says, no, I, I really do have an idea for this character. I, not that he has an idea for this show, but he has an idea for this character. Mm-hmm. And Diego Luna is like seemingly right on track with that. And yeah. the way that they've kind of set this up as a series to say, well, he's going to start here and we know that it ends here. Why? Right. Mm-hmm. Like I, there's, there's an awesome quote um, from Diego Luna in this article where he says like, this guy used to be, you know, self-serving. He used to be, you know, I'm not helping anybody because nobody's helping me. Yeah. Uh, he goes from that to sacrificing his life for the rebellion yeah. without having any kind of praise or recognition who yeah. does that. Yeah. And I just love that idea where it's like, yeah, that's what we're going to, that's what we're going to learn is who does that, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. So being able to look forward to something where you can point to and say like, Hey guys, first and foremost, this is a character story and it's a thematic story. Like let's, let's not get it twisted. There's something to be said here. Yeah. Um, I'm very excited for that. And I'm also really excited to see, because we see a lot of it in, in Rebels especially, but we get glimpses of it in Solo, a Star Wars story of the oppression of the Empire and what it's actively doing on like a ground level to the galaxy, apart from just blowing up planets. But it's like, let's see how they are expanding and that post-Revenge of the Sith kind of Empire, but pre-Battle of Yavin, which causes people like Mon Mothma to stand up and be like, that's enough. Like, enough is enough. We need to stand up and do something about this. I'm really excited to see it sounds terrible, but I'm excited to see the oppression of the empire. No, I, <laughs> I'm excited I to see that see where you're coming from. Yeah, I'm excited to see that boot that that causes everybody else to stand up because I think it's going to embolden the actions of the rebellion and make them something to where as an audience <laughs> member, you are supporting and, and you're there for the fight and you understand how someone could go from um, as as uh, Diego Luna describes or uh, excuse me, it was uh, Tony Gilroy, he uh, describes him as being uh, a revolution averse, uh, cynical and lost and kind of a mess. Uh, kind of a mess is how he describes him. So I'm excited to see a character go from that to, as you said, someone who is w- uh, willing to make that sacrifice and lay his life down for the galaxy. But also just this this mix of genres that we're hearing and espionage and this spy thriller. I can't wait to see these different tones in Star Wars. And it's, it's still just kind of crazy to me that like by far other than maybe the Mandalorian, the thing from the Disney era that fans pretty universally have agreed upon is that rogue one is seems like the least controversial star Wars movie. And that if somebody was like, I love rogue one, I feel like I see rogue one trending on Twitter like every month. And it's, I, people seem to really love that movie and I understand why people do. So it's just so crazy to me that like one of the main characters of that movie is getting its own spinoff series and it's just not getting the, the fans as excited. And I I'm hoping that quotes like this, maybe even a trailer and just the more that we learn about this series is going to get people excited because the idea of seeing this and seeing the the birth of the rebellion and seeing more Mon Mothma, like Mon Mothma alone, she could have her own Disney Plus series for all I care. That sounds amazing. You know, I'm going to tell you two things right now. I'm ready. First thing, I do think that the detriment of this like shows attention comes from the fact that we are, you know, gearing up to have so much star Wars on our plate. 
Totally. Um, which is a sad thing to say. I mean, if this was the only Star Wars thing that we had to look forward to for a little while, mm-hmm. like I think people would be looking for reasons to really get into this. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully you're right. Hopefully that will change. Yeah. Um, hopefully we can kind of turn people's opinions around. Here's mm-hmm. the second thing, though. I swear on all that is holy. If I see Saw Gerrera in this show, <laughs> I'm going to rip off my own skin. He's going to have his own Vanity's Fair spread. You know, I was going to say, like, Mon Mothma, heck yeah, man, give me that. I really want that that clean rebellion. Saw mm-hmm. Gerrera, your time is over, pal. Your time's <laughs> done. <laughs> and you know, I'm not the only one who's saying this. I yeah. know that I'm the guy that's like, oh, that one thing that most people really like screw it not for me but like come on i can't be the only one (laughs) you know i really i i've seen uh tiktoks and things like that mostly in jest kind of poking fun at sagrera that this guy is like become the the, you know the the where's waldo of star wars where he kind of just keeps popping up and everything but um i think you know i maybe that's a a, another discussion for another day but i i think even sagrera could fit into that idea of someone who goes from cynical and lost and trying to like the last Jedi kind of be the devil on the shoulder of Cassian or try to be, you know, where Mon Mothma is more the angel of like, okay, yes, we both agree that something needs to be done about this, but how are we going to go about that? And we see Cassian who is someone even at the beginning of Rogue One is making those tough calls and those things that you would typically not attribute to being heroic or to being a good guy or being on the light side. And I'm, I'm very excited and anticipating seeing Cassian kind of have to have to navigate that. And Mon Mothma, I'm just, I'm, I would love for Star Wars fans, you know, cause I don't know if Mon Mothma is necessarily what a lot of people think of as far as being like seminal figures of the rebellion, even yeah. though she's like the straight up, like the leader of the rebellion, you know? Right. And I, I'm very excited. I'm hoping we get more politics stuff, like more Senate stuff. That would be excellent. Uh, and to see this person that Leia really looks up to and someone that, uh, you know, Leia is, is admires and also kind of follows in the footsteps of to see kind of the, the precursor of that character. God, I'm really excited. I'm, I'm, you know, uh, we, we got some details about when the show is going to release and it seems like it's going to be releasing, uh, at the, uh, late summer of this year, uh, which is very exciting. And I'm just really hoping, and I would very much so anticipate that we're going to be seeing some uh, more from this at Star Wars Celebration next weekend. Yeah, there's definitely no doubt. Um, we're going to get something um which will be very exciting again it's a jam-packed weekend we've got you know we've got Mm obi-wan dropping the first day yeah um which is huge and you know i can't wait for discussions to be had about that at star wars celebration um but it's it's gonna be a long weekend so you know i would definitely expect uh, a little bit more information about this probably first and foremost this is yeah this is gonna be the next thing on Disney Plus's plate and Lucasfilm's plate, it better get some attention, you know? Yeah, I anticipate it being kind of similar to this Vanity Fair article is like, yeah, we're all super pumped for Obi-Wan Kenobi and we kind of, we've gotten trailers and now it's, you know, the the press tour is mostly kicking off, but what's immediately next? You know, I'm anticipating Celebration is going to really give us a good look at this as well as Noah, the Acolyte, which we're also getting some more details about in this article. Uh, And the writing for this show uh, apparently is 
was largely complete, uh, and now the casting phase has really begun. Uh, showrunner Leslie Headland was also interviewed, and she says that the series is a mystery mystery thriller about how the galaxy came to be in the place it was at the beginning of the prequel trilogy, set roughly 100 years before the Skywalker saga or the Phantom Menace. And I am so excited. Uh, this is, Too you know, excited. <laughs> I cannot wait. This is a series that I have just been, ever since I've heard about it, have just been so fascinated by the show. Uh, and, you know, with something like Andor or Ahsoka, I'm like, I could, my brain can see how, what that's going to be like. I feel like it's when you like try a food and you're like, yeah, my, my, my might not have had this before, but my mouth has tasted these flavors. And yeah. I feel like this is going to be a flavor of Star Wars that so many fans have not had an opportunity to really experience. Uh, and I can't wait to explore uh, this era and this, this. Uh, different i mean a mystery thriller in this in the star wars galaxy that sounds awesome uh, i i just am again you know the quotes that they have pulled here are some of the ones that are just like the most you know juicy bits of stuff oh yeah um when when she was interviewed and basically said like uh she was essentially saying well i wanted to know how did we get to this point mm-hmm. right of like how did uh how did a Sith Lord infiltrate the Senate and bring down the Galactic Republic. Yeah. What happened leading up to that? I'll say this much. I'm excited for Andor. I'm excited for Ahsoka. Mm -hmm. You know, I love these things. Um, And I I even was, you know, marginally excited for the Book of Boba Fett and then, you know, pleasantly surprised. Mm -hmm. But I can take a break from, well, what happened to that guy? Yeah. No, I, I care more about something like this where somebody says, well, what happened to this thing what happened to this idea what happened to this you know system yeah yeah, this this thing um that is it's gonna be insanely complex and Mm -hmm. i have a lot of faith in the writers here i have a lot of faith in leslie headland as the showrunner um and i can't wait to get more casting news especially yeah, I think there's a lot of things that get me excited about this. Um, aside from just the tones or uh, and the the genres which are kind of being implemented here in Star Wars, I'm also and I, I want to be very clear. I really like and am very grateful for what Filoni and Favreau have done for Star Wars on the small screen because I don't think that if without the success of The Mandalorian we would necessarily be as excited or talking about these series here and they you know I think their their role has been very significant probably one of the more significant things to happen to Star Wars in recent years um is in The Mandalorian especially but I'm very excited to also see some new perspectives in Star Wars and to have Leslie Headland, who I just finished season one of Russian Doll. Um, I'm getting ready to start season two, which recently came out. I really, really liked it. But watching that series at no point that I think, oh, she would be perfect for Star Wars, which is sounds like a bad thing, but I promise it's not. It's I'm, if anything, it makes me more excited because I'm just like, again, I'm like, what is this flavor of Star Wars going to be like? What will this uh, eventually kind of uh, materialize into? Um, and also exploring this era that in 
you know, animated and live action has not been thoroughly explored and has really only been uh, talked about in novels and comics, this area of the, of the High Republic, kind of the tail end of that, but not as much of the tail end as I, as, as I originally anticipated. It's still 100 years before The Phantom Menace, which is like, oh, wow, I thought it was like, you know, maybe going to be 50 or so, but 100 is, is pretty significant to the degree that they've even talked about uh, in this uh, Vanity Fair article how their uniforms are different. She described them as being gold and white and almost like they would never get dirty. Um, so to see this really change of perspective of the Jedi Order and also the the Senate and the politics of it all, something that the Phantom Menace is very, um, you know, entrenched in. We uh, probably, you know, probably four or five months ago, we talked about Leslie Headland and her influence. And she had said the Phantom Menace was her biggest influence. And I was like, oh, wow, that's that's great. <laughs> so it's another example of like, man, the more I hear about this, the more I get really excited. But I also think, you know, this could be a real testing ground for, okay, you want to get an Old Republic trilogy of movies or Ryan Johnson wants to have this trilogy, which we'll talk about of Set, set in whatever era, but with new characters and a totally, you know, removed from the Skywalker saga story. If this series hits it out of the park and it's a huge hit with fans and people are eating this up, it, it could be something to where, you know, Lucasfilm was like, okay, yeah, we can tell these stories that aren't surrounding these characters. And it might seem like inside baseball to, to Star Wars fans or to people who, who aren't Star Wars fans, but it could be really liberating, liberating for Star Wars. And I'm really, I'm just, I'm out of all of the projects that are covered in Vanity Fair, aside from Obi-Wan Kenobi, this is the one that I'm like most excited to hear more about and most excited to kind of see our first look at this. You know, obviously they're, they're just kind of writing at this point. There's, there's been no casting, but hopefully we can get some casting details, maybe concept art. I'm not really anticipating that much, but you know, maybe they can say, okay, we've, we've cast the lead actress or something like that to, yeah. to really give us, uh, get us excited for what types of characters are they casting for? I just, I can't wait. The Acolyte sounds so fascinating. Uh, there's a lot to look forward to with this. I, I think you're right. This is one of the things that is going to be a flagship for anything coming down the pipeline that looks remotely like it. Mm -hmm. um, and you're totally right. If there's one thing that Lucasfilm loves... Um, it's to base their upcoming things off of how well a previous thing did. Totally. Um, yeah. that's, that's just how it works right now. Um, mm -hmm. which is, is it bad business practice? I don't know. I don't have a business degree and I never will. So <laughs> I'm not the one to say. Not with that attitude. <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of, it's what we've seen is, is, yeah. you know, um, and that's also, you know, that's also a Disney thing. Let's yeah. just put that out there and I'm not trying to yeah. you know, talk bad about any of it. I think yeah. that there's merit there to a company that doesn't want to lose out on an opportunity like this to really revive star Wars. I think that star Wars has been in its rebirthing period, uh, since 2015. And mm -hmm. we're just now entering kind of the beginning of what might be considered like the silver age of, yeah. of modern star Wars. I yeah. think this could do it into really, really opening up the door, at least 
God, I hope so. You know? Yeah, well, we've talked a lot about, you know, kind of these, uh, we, you know, these different flavors of Star Wars, if you will. And I love that we're getting something like this, but also, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi and the Book of Boba Fett and Andor, which are these like established characters and Ahsoka, which we'll be talking about right uh, right next here. But these established characters that it's like, okay, yeah, you, you want to see more. It's still new stories, but it's characters that you're familiar with. And it's, uh, you know, it seems like, I don't want to say treaded ground or talk about those stories negatively, but it's it's characters and uh, a world that you have experienced before. So it's not as jarring or not as new. But I still love that we're managing to tell those stories while also experimenting and going off in different directions, like with the Acolyte. And I've just I can't wait to explore this era and also to get people like. Um, I'm not going to act like I'm fully uh, entrenched in it. I'm still way behind on the novels and the and the comics. Slowly but surely, I'm making my way through it. But people like you who are like, yeah, the books and the comics just aren't really my thing. It's not really how I choose to engage with Star Wars. And getting people like 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 yourself who haven't yeah. had an opportunity to really dive into the High Republic, it's like, okay, here's a taste of that. And and you know maybe that could lead you know to people more diving into the novels or the comics or just you know really appreciating this era. Yeah, that's something that will definitely kind of come to light is uh, how much, I guess, content there actually has been. Uh Um, If this is an area that people are really wanting to gravitate towards, um, especially when something like Star Wars Eclipse may or may not come out. Yeah, Um, it's an it's an area that's going to revamp the broadness of of star wars in a way that you know if i Mm -hmm. picture in my head somebody that's a fan of the old republic or the high republic kind of gen you know generally picturing a really old sweaty bald man uh, (laughs) that's like still clutching onto his vhs's of the theatrical release of the original trilogy yeah uh you you know while playing coder and it's it's not an image that that i like to picture uh Mm -hmm. so maybe Lucasfilm can kind of rehabilitate that area because there is growing interest there. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just a matter of kind of pushing it into the forefront, you know? Yeah, I understand what you're saying of that kind of cliche idea that we have and more of, you know, not not people who like KOTOR, but people who are like, I like this thing and nothing you ever do will be better than this. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think, uh, was what I'm kind of picturing is that I, I want this era to be something that will be new and like Mm -hmm. uncharted territory. It's like, yes, legends has done some stuff and I no doubt think that they're going to incorporate things like that. I think Disney, uh, and Lucasfilm have actually been very good about that. There's a lot of things that were in legends that are being incorporated from, you know, the, the, pinnacle of legends like with people like Thrawn very important characters to the silly stuff like Jackson you know like I I think that they've done a very good job of incorporating a lot of that kind of stuff not everything uh, also not everything can be incorporated but I think in broad strokes there has been uh, you know an interest from from uh, Lucasfilm to to pay homage to that, maybe at minimum. But I'm I'm just very excited to hear more about this. Very excited to get more from Leslie Headland. Hell, maybe she even might. You know, they have that big panel on Thursday where they're talking about upcoming projects. Maybe she might come out and share some insight. If it was just her talking for 15 minutes about the Phantom Menace and what inspired her, that's great. Like great. that's that's perfect. Great. You know, that's <laughs> that's all I need. Uh, but Noah, we still got some more Vanity Fair to discover here and to discuss here. Uh, Ahsoka, which is kind of one of the next big uh, Lucasfilm projects down the pipeline here, something that 
we uh you know we missed that we missed that story a couple of weeks ago but you know uh uh ahsoka has officially you know started production they're officially started uh principal photography on that which is very exciting uh but we got some uh some quotes here from rosario dawson just kind of talking about what led to her being cast as ahsoka what that whole process was like uh also the trials and tribulations of leaking things online uh, kind yep. of accidentally <laughs> here which i thought was pretty funny uh, but also just, um, you know, not really talking about what fans can expect from Ahsoka, but again, in the broad strokes of things, just kind of what is maybe the end goal of this Ahsoka series. And Filoni is, is been very cagey about this. Understandably, I honestly wouldn't have it any other way. I'm glad that he's being cagey about everything, but yeah, we don't really have too many more details about this series here, but, uh, what was kind of your big reaction to some of these, uh, quotes and insights? I, I think a lot of it was more just so pleasant to read i was gonna say here but i guess read uh yes that which you know is not my strong suit in the first place so <laughs> we've established uh, yes it was i'm, I'm proud of you to, yeah <laughs> it was hey I, I made it through the whole article okay nice so somebody give me a gold star i've been a good noodle there are pictures to be fair there were pictures there were and i was drawn to those first <laughs> um no i was i was absolutely pleased to to uh read that rosario dawson was kind of just talking about how much she's been admiring the fact that she's been admired uh, yes. for this role and, and what it's, you know, what kind of an experience it's been mm -hmm. uh, for her as somebody that is now in this larger world. And, and yes, there's a responsibility on her shoulders to portray one of the most beloved characters in all of star Wars, mm -hmm. uh, beloved, especially by yours truly. Yes. Um, and it just sounds like this is, in in entirely capable hands yeah uh, and i'm sure that she's well aware of that as this gets underway um it's just so so refreshing to hear that adding a new face to to star wars i guess not technically new because you know she's been around for a little bit yeah. uh with you know the mandalorian and with the book of boba fett but adding a new face and story to star wars um in a way that's going to be really big for this character mm -hmm. is honestly just very heartwarming. Uh, and yeah. I'm glad that there weren't many more new details um, because I kind of just want to wait and see. Uh, this is something like you said, kind of have an image of how this is going to go. Um, there's, I, I doubt that there will be a lot of surprises, um, but I'm certainly looking forward to those things being confirmed way down the road. Um, mm -hmm. I don't need that kind of thing right now, you know? Yeah. And I think because Ahsoka has been, it's, it's been so interesting to track her trajectory. Cause I remember being introduced to snips, you know, and like that yeah. was, I was, I think if my math serves me, I think I was nine when that, when that the Clone Wars came out, just which is about, just yeah. crazy to think about. It's been that right. long. <laughs> um, it's, that's just wild how time works. Uh, but you know, I, it's been such a pleasure to see her embraced by not just the people like you and myself who, who dive into as much as we can with the animated shows and rebels and all that kind of stuff, but also the fan base as a whole, it's nuts that I can go to a target now and buy an Ahsoka black series figure, or she's on, uh, I believe there was like a, 
like a bank or, you know, like a piggy bank or something like that. Uh, you know, it's just crazy that as the fandom as a whole has been accepted a lot more, uh, and it's been such a pleasure to see that. And as such, I think people, myself included, and probably yours, uh, yourself as well, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but when Rosario Dawson first shows up in the Mandalorian, it's, it's difficult to be no, like, you're in, right. just like open arms, like, Oh, I'm, I'm so ready. You know, it's just, you're kind of like, okay, this is a very important character to a lot of people and myself to live up to. And exactly. There's a lot of pressure on her shoulders. I will say something that is making that a lot easier is to see how enthusiastic Rosario Dawson has been about joining Star Wars and how aware she is of the responsibility that is on her shoulders with this character, but also just the sense of fun that she has. And it's always a pleasure to see someone and, uh, we don't have a lot of time to talk about it, but Hayden Christensen was was interviewed and was talking about his, and it's a story I've never heard before. I don't know if he's ever shared it, but his um, response to getting first cast in, in Attack of the Clones, and he was with his roommate at the time, and they just like started blaring the score to Phantom Menace and like playing with lightsabers and just like battling each other, and it's stuff like that that is just like so oh, endearing and it's so sweet. I know it's so so sweet, and I just love that uh, Rosario Dawson also shares like a similar kind of um a uh, similar story and I, I sent it to you because i just thought it was hilarious where yeah. she talks about a friend of hers uh her son is a huge star wars fan and she uh facetimed them and uh the the kid like looks at the at the phone and sees rosario dawson in the full makeup uh and apparently he just like through the phone and like freaked <laughs> out and it took him like a couple of days to like fully <laughs> even with this kid like fully sink in of like oh my god i just saw ahsoka you know such a, a such a sweet sweet story um but you know i uh rosario dawson has been uh it's been a, a an interesting road to see her um come into this character um, whether it be because there were some initial kind of allegations of, of things that were kind of floating around. I think now that those have been a little bit more clarified and we're also getting more time uh, with Ahsoka. I think that that is something that has made this, you know, kind of go over a bit better. And I will say that, you know, interviews like this are, are really helping with that because not only does she have a lot to live up to in regards to this character, but Ashley Eckstein has been a titan of the Star Wars fandom and has been so gracious with Star Wars fans and has been so willing to you know, uh, to accept the fandom, uh, and to, and to be a real champion of this character. And I think Rosario Dawson is doing a great job of kind of following in her footsteps. Yeah. That's something that, um, I, I, you know, was thinking of when we first started talking about this is just kind of that, um, that idea that some people were, you know, more than just hesitant to accept Rosario Dawson, but, you know, mm -hmm. angered that it's not, yeah. you know, the, the Ahsoka that we know. Yeah. Um, but realistically, you know, as time goes on and as this show gets closer and as, uh, you know, as we eventually get more, like you said, more merchandise, more kind of exposure to this thing, um, mm -hmm. it is really going to become the face of Ahsoka. Um, mm -hmm. I think the only thing really that, you know, still not that it bugs me, but I just, I have this, you know, perfect picture of Ahsoka in my head that doesn't necessarily exclude Rosario Dawson. Um, but it's this image of the character of Ahsoka being so brave and so, you know, 
like strong, steadfast, something mm-hmm. like her, you know, fighting Maul in Clone Wars season seven. Yeah. Where I think to myself like that is Ahsoka or her in the, you know, uh, Twilight of the Apprentice in yeah. Rebels. Like that mm-hmm. to me it's is like Ahsoka. seminal Ahsoka moments. Yeah. Yes. Um, and what we've seen so far is kind of the wise learned Ahsoka. Yeah. And, you know, when I think of something like the, you know, the episode where she appears in uh, the Mandalorian, it gets really close. I just yeah. am, you know, not, not that they, you know, have to prove themselves or anything. Not that Lucasfilm has to prove themselves or Rosario Dawson even has to prove herself, but just I'm going to need more of that, you know, to, to know for sure that this is something that I can like fully sink my teeth into, um, Mm -hmm. which we're going to get, you know, that's not something that I'm doubting at all. It's Mm -hmm. just once that happens, I think more people will, will jump on uh, with everything because it's going to be, I mean, this is going to be the, the, the ultimate Ahsoka story and it's going to be told the way it's going to be told, which is going to be the best way that it probably can be told. So, yeah, you know, we haven't, it's, it's a good point though, that we like, we haven't really had that much of an opportunity with Rosario Dawson. We've had like one Mandalorian episode, which is majority of the episode. Yes. And then like a little bit of a book of Boba Fett episode, you know? So it's like, this is still very fresh and very new. And I think interviews like this and seeing these, this like, there was a for the uh, Disney Gallery, the Book of Boba Fett. There was an epi- or a little clip of Rosario Dawson like looking at Mark Hamill. In oh my the, gosh! And she's yeah. just like she's like you she's know, so like, giddy. Uh-huh, she's like a kid, uh-huh. you know. Yeah, it's and it's super endearing and it's really sweet. And again, it it goes a, a long way. But you know, like you were talking about, as far as um, you know, uh, Filoni and and entrusting someone to tell the story, he does kind of hint towards uh, what we can see and uh, what we we can expect. Uh, for uh, for the Ahsoka series, and this is what uh, Filoni said. He said, Ahsoka is a continuous story. It is definitely driving towards a goal in my mind as opposed to being little singular adventures. Uh, that's what I want the character to be doing, and I think that's what fans want now. They have such a relationship with her. I've only recently started to understand that all of those kids that watch Clone Wars are now a lot older. Hey, Dave, <laughs> we're here. We're, we're here. here. What's up? Uh, they've uh, been very excited about all of the things they grew up with as they should be. I think that that's a very interesting quote uh, saying that, you know, maybe they heard loud and clear with like the season one of the Mandalorian of like, no, we're ready for that continuous story to go to, you know, to see this, this entire, uh, you know, overarching narrative here and less of kind of these, uh, more like a comic book, you know, to where it's like yeah. each week is like a different adventure. Um, I think that there is an appetite for that. But I, I think Filoni is it's interesting how he's more drawn to this idea of of this continuous story here. And again, he's pretty cagey with it, but it's, you know, it's probably going to be Thrawn, you know, of this <laughs> kind of thing that we're pointing to here in the search for Ezra. So, you know, this quote here from Filoni, Noah, did you have any kind of uh, big reactions or was it just kind of like confirmation of like, OK, cool, that's that's still what we're working towards here no it's it is more of that thing that that's like yes uh, you know people have have come to learn that dave filoni is a storytelling master um Mm -hmm. i might have mentioned it that you know i have been making my way again through avatar um and you know the episodes that are directed by him are something that you know where where he got his start almost um in in this world of of somewhat serialized um episodic tv yeah um is something that yeah that's it's it's again confirmation but 
it just goes to show that there is um there's faith in the fan base in saying that yeah actually guys Dave Filoni has had this story kind of in his mind and it's his own thing and nobody needs to mess with it mm-hmm. um so whatever it is you know I we're we're all ready for it yeah and it's it's interesting how Dave himself like you talked about with Avatar and then with the Clone Wars he's kind of done both he's kind of done serialized and episodic yeah, to where yeah. he's like yeah there's some Clone Wars episodes where it's just you know this this one off adventure and then next week it's something else but as Clone Wars uh, kind of developed and and you know it became more of these overarching okay you've got these four episodes which are about this story and I think it's interesting that he's still wanting to pursue that here with Ahsoka and he's even acknowledges like no fans are expecting to see a certain journey and you know he doesn't confirm it but you can kind of read between the lines of it's the the search for ezra as well as thrawn we are kind of building to this thing so uh i i don't doubt that we are going to be hearing more about this series as well i don't think we're going to be seeing any kind of sizzle reel seeing how the show just started principal uh, principal photography may or may not get some insight but honestly i wouldn't be surprised if we didn't because dave filoni is going to be very protective of this and and he's definitely not going to be spoiling anything so i think we might have to uh, they're going to try to squeeze it out of him as best as they can but uh uh i, w- I wouldn't anticipate too much here uh, next weekend yeah i think one thing that um i think maybe it bears mentioning, but, um, like I, I I think I had mentioned it or maybe when we were talking about it off camera, Mm -hmm. just the, um, the photos and things that were captioned with potential release dates, um, was something that was a little bit of a gut punch to me. Um, yeah. That 2023 release date. Yeah. It's just not something that, I mean, I should have expected it, you know, like Mm -hmm. how are you going to fit all this into one year? Um, yeah. not only just Star Wars stuff, but also Disney plus stuff. I mean, they've got mm-hmm. their, they've got their hands full. Um, it's just something that stings a little bit, but I'd rather them take their time. Um, so that's kind of that on that. Hey, I think it'll go over pretty easily. Cause like I said, you know, late summer you got Andor and then they mentioned, uh, we didn't get really much of anything from the Mandalorian, uh, other than a release date, which is late summer, 2022, early 2023, which is kind of that similar book of Boba Fett kind of, um, slot there. And then right after that, we've got Ahsoka. So, um, yeah, I think we are not going to be starved of car of uh, star Wars content here by uh, any stretch of the imagination. Hey, speak for yourself. I got a fast metabolism okay <laughs> hey and then we've got little appetizers of star wars visions and bad batch hopefully fitting in there somewhere we better because uh, i'll tell yeah. you this, this isn't a story but no i understand that this is the live action big screen small small screen stuff yeah uh not a single or not a single crumb of bad batch content was dared mentioned and yeah. i was not happy about it, but Hey, yeah, I don't expect it in this vanity fair article specifically, but, uh, hopefully next weekend we can uh, be satiated as, uh, animation fans. But, uh, in the meantime, we did get some uh, information regarding a new series on the horizon, which has been codenamed grammar rodeo, uh, which apparently is a Simpsons reference. I'll take it from you guys. I'm not a Simpsons fan. Not that I don't like the show, just haven't really watched it. Um, but apparently that episode I think is about Bart Simpson, like kind of having a, uh, playing hooky a little bit and like hanging out with his friends or something yeah something like that uh but apparently this show is going to be taking place during kind of the same uh post return of the jedi time period as the mandalorian and was uh, going to be created by john watts and writer chris ford 
Uh, Lucasfilm describes it internally as a galactic version of classic Amblin coming-of-age adventure films of the 1980s. Uh, Think the Goonies, or I think more accurately, Stranger Things meets Star Wars. Uh, They are casting for this series right now and looking to star four children ages 11 to 12. I have a lot of uh, kind of mixed feelings about this, Noah. Um, I don't know about you, um, but I am interested to see uh, Stranger Things meets Star Wars. I'm I'm interested to see that. Um, Let's start there. And then we can kind of get into the yeah. uh, the nuance of things. But what do you think about kind of a coming of age adventure film like a Stranger Th- Stranger Things, like a Goonies, but in Star Wars? Um, I, I hate to be the guy that says this um, because I think that maybe not everybody maybe remembers this, but Star Wars is for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have been we as you know young adult fans have been spoiled with not only Star Wars content, but also Marvel content mm-hmm. that is a little bit more adult. Yeah. Um, it's not as kid friendly or maybe as kid sensitive. Yeah. Um, so, you know, coming off the back of something like the Mandalorian or coming off the back of something like the book of Boba Fett is, yeah. you know, that's not really kids stuff. Um, but Star Wars has always been about kids. And I'll say this much um, on one hand, it makes my mind immediately go to something like some of these Disney plus original shows that have Mm -hmm. come out that aren't attached to an IP and they're very like odd. And I don't know what the idea is with them. You mean like not star Wars stuff, just stuff on Disney plus. Yes. Stuff on Disney plus. There's one thing that I've seen a few ads for, uh, when I, you know, when I go to AMC, it has something to do with a group of kids that are making their way through a, a dungeon or whatever. It's called the quest and it's based somewhat on like a dungeons and dragons style, Mm -hmm. uh, kind of adventure. Um, but it's very meta. It makes me think of something like that and it worries me. But Mm -hmm. here's the other thing, you know, on the other hand, I think that Stranger Things has pushed that kind of coming of age idea back into the forefront where it was dead for a long time and like the show or not, but Mm -hmm. Stranger Things has done the, you know, kind of time period, like the the era specific um, and very thematic specific coming Mm -hmm. of age stuff. They have done that better than just about anything in recent history. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's kind of inarguable, honestly. So I have a lot of theories about what this could look like. But overall, I think that this is, a again, it's a new flavor. Hey, man, a new tray just opened up at the buffet. Go grab yourself a slice. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Um, So... I agree with everything that you're saying. And I do like that your mind kind of went first to, and, and it's something that I, I think is important for, uh, for fans to keep in mind is that as star Wars fans, we have a lot of stuff that is appealing to an older generation of fans. Uh, and, and Marvel is, is not exempt from that recent examples of like, uh, moon Knight. Uh, Multiverse of Madness, Uh, those two things in particular, I don't know if a kid is going to be super interested in as much as I love Endgame. And I think a lot of kids probably like it, too. It's also like a three hour movie, man, like taking your nine year old to go see that might not be the easiest thing in the world. Yeah. Uh, Something like Shang-Chi. 
probably a lot more appealing. Something like Eternals, probably less so, you know? And I am very glad that Star Wars is intentionally trying to appeal to a younger demographic. No, this series is not being described as not being for adults or not being for older fans, but I do like there is that kind of point of view you know, let's, let's nurture that, that younger fandom and not just with, you know, it seems like there's like stuff like the Mandalorian, which I think appeals to mostly like 11, 12 year olds. And then, which the series is also kind of casting for, but then also there's like, you know, bad batch, I guess would be maybe for, for younger fans. It's not like super juvenile or anything like that, but then you've got stuff like galactic pals, which is literally for like toddlers, you yeah. know, but I like that there's this idea of like having this young adult kind of star Wars adventure that a young, a lot of younger kids, you and I probably were of an age to where we related to a young Anakin. That was literally the reason why my parents were interested in showing me Star Wars specifically is because they were like, oh, there's this new movie and the it's young Anakin and he's of, you know, a, uh, an age that my kid can identify with and relate with. So, you know, granted, he was probably like 10 or so years older than I was. I was, you know, not even one when Phantom Menace came out, but still, right. I, was a, I was a little <laughs> kid and seeing like you're kind of yourself, that perspective, oh man, if I could get a Star fighter and i could zoom around the galaxy that would be so exciting and kind of this first one to see them all exactly you know you get it so there's that and i'm very interested to see a kind of a stranger things uh a tone in star wars and uh, i think a book like lost stars is kind of uh, similar to that of it is a young adult story and it is a you know, from the the eyes of uh, of a, a young child seeing the Star Wars galaxy and the events of the Star Wars galaxy, that's really interesting to me. So there's the other side of me that's not as interested in this, and that's because I am not the biggest fan of John Watts. Um, I don't know how much he's going to be involved in this series if, uh, creatively. You know, he is the creator of this series, uh, so maybe he's just got kind of the story input. But stylistically, he's just not my favorite. Um, uh, I'm sure he's a lovely person. It's nothing to do with him personally as a, as a human, but his Star Wars or his uh, Spider-Man trilogy stylistically, I think leaves a lot to be desired. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the, the latter two of those. Um, Far From Home and No Way Home are not my favorite Marvel movies. Um, and I think with Homecoming, I, that, that's closer to me. Of, of like, okay, I see what you're going for. I see that tone there of that kind of 80s Ferris Bueller kind of, you know, breakfast club. But in Marvel, and, you know, in this case, it'll be Star Wars. That's interesting to me. I just, I, I want to make sure that it's not, you know, to me, he's kind of seems like a filmmaker that is inidentifiable, if that makes sense. No, um, I, I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't, I, I watch Far From Home or Spider-Man No Way Home and I'm like, this doesn't feel like it's directed by anybody. It just feels like it's kind of like directed by like AI, uh, you know, yeah. it just doesn't. And it became very apparent to me after watching the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy and then immediately following that up with these because the Sam Raimi is such a distinctive style and then watching the trilogy of movies, which have like no style at all. That's something that's just a little concerning to me. If he's just doing the story and, you know, like the Mandalorian, they're bringing in other filmmakers to tell that story. Excellent. Awesome. All here for that. So, I'm just kind of I'm, I'm, I'm trepidatious to see that. Um, then there's the other side of things, which is not as much of like a personal journey. It's just kind of fear. <laughs> and that's Star Wars fans can be pretty harsh sometimes, man. And I don't yeah. feel comfortable or trust the fandom enough <laughs> to put these four children on the forefront of a television show 
and be like, all right, kids, face the brunt of Star Wars fans. Remind me, remind me again, what happened to that one kid who is yeah, cast in a huge comeback yeah. of Star Wars? Just saying, man. Like, yeah, poor Jake Lloyd and everything that that kid had to endure. And then also Ahmed Best. And we have just seen how adverse Star Wars fans can be to getting that idea of, hey, here's a new flavor of Star Wars. What do you guys think of this? Or here's a new perspective that might not appeal to you as... Oh man, I was I was nine years old when I watched Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi's in the, uh, in theaters, and now I'm in my late twenties. Let's go watch the Phantom Menace. Oh, it's made for that same nine year old that I was, but now this other generation, I don't like this. Let me go cyberbully this kid. You know, I'm just hoping that as a fandom, we have evolved to the point to where we're not going to let this kind of thing happen. Knowing how Disney and Lucasfilm have cast things, I think that they're going to look for a diverse cast. Wouldn't be surprised if they cast with uh, young uh, young ladies uh, in this. Um, maybe even both. Uh, some uh, some uh, uh, person of color uh, women in this role. Maybe even uh, you know uh, you know bisexual characters or transgender characters or something like that. I wouldn't be surprised with that. I actually would really prefer that. But. I trust the Star Wars fandom about as far as I can throw them. Uh, do you join me in that kind of sense of like, God, I'm just kind of bracing for impact in a, in know, a sad way, you know? Absolutely. Because when I think of something like Stranger Things, um, you have such a, a, a clean slate. Um, mm-hmm. And I can't think of any, you know, person that saw Stranger Things and was like, well, this isn't very, you know, this does not represent the things that I like. And totally, you know, yeah. Noah, Noah Schnapp and, you know, and Finn Wolfhard yeah. are a bunch of blah, 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 whatever. You know, yes. there's just no reason for that. So, yeah, because they don't have like shoes to fill. It's like a yes. new series. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I can 100% see something like this. Like we get a trailer and it shows, you know, a, a place that we know or an idea that we know, but yeah. you know, there's quote unquote, you know, a bunch of child actors yeah. trying to fit into this world mm-hmm. that definitely scares me. I, I feel you a hundred percent. I'm just hoping that the star Wars fandom can really embrace kind of not in tone, but just purely the idea of like Harry Potter or something like that to where it's like when you first saw these kids, they were young. And then by season five or six, they're fully adult now. And the series has matured along with them and star Wars fans of my age. That might be a bit adverse to that. You got that Ahsoka series coming out in a, in a, you know, in, in a year from now, go back and watch this, the Clone Wars movie, man. Like that's not the same Ahsoka that we see. Her character grows and also ages as we do as fans, you know? And I just hope that Star Wars fans will keep that in mind. Also not allow the Star Wars fandom to bully these children. I think there's going to have to be a lot of accountability from Star Wars fans. And even if you don't like the show, even if you hate these characters and it doesn't work for you you don't go out of your way to attack the performers for that, you know, or the creators for that. You can voice your opinion in a, in a kind and respectful way and in a clear way and in an honest way. I want to be clear about that. If it doesn't work for you. It doesn't work for you, but don't go out of your way to bully a child because of that. Um, <laughs> again, I've hoped that we've moved on from that as a fandom. And I just, I, I don't want that to be the case. 
Um, so that's that's the primary reason that I'm a little like about this series. Uh, not because I'm like ah, John Watts isn't my favorite creator. Um, you know, this is a, a tone I'm just interested to see in Star Wars. That that's not it at all. That's not it at all. Stranger Things in Star Wars, I think, could work. I'm just nervous for these kids. <laughs> yeah, no, it is something to look out for. So I, yeah. I, I don't know. I think uh, to wrap up that side of it, do you have any uh, any quick you know tinfoil hat theories on what this could possibly look like? What a story with you know a, a gang of kids might look like. You know, it could be this kind of um, similar to Lost Stars, kind of this post Return of the Jedi. I mean, I know that we're having. Um, you know, uh, the, the, you know, this era explored in the Mandalorian, but I think it could be interesting to see these kids who are trying to grow in an era that is asking them to fall in line and to be submissive and to, to not have that individuality there. I'm, I think it's seeing a series of kind of this, you know, flower through, through concrete kind of story could be really interesting. Yeah. Um, and also exploring this new perspective. And like we talked about to see, um, kind of this, you know, these kids grew up in an era where that wasn't the case. And now that the, the empire is gone and that boot has been lifted to see them explore and to see them, you know, and to see them, you know, fully, uh, have that freedom to, to be themselves and to explore themselves. So I'm curious to see what the conflict will be. Um, if it's not the empire and they don't have to look around the corner when they, you know, want to leave their house and go have an adventure, what exactly will it be? Uh, maybe one of them will be force sensitive and they're trying to navigate all of that kind of stuff. That could be really interesting. Maybe they're navigating the rise of the first order. I don't think it's going to be any of that kind of big stuff. Um, I'm just, I'm very interested to see that. And I think that that's a very curious era to explore. I wouldn't have necessarily uh, expected that I would think kind of a pre a new hope era would be kind of interesting. Uh, and yeah. to see them go from, you know, yeah, maybe one kid is drawn towards the rebellion and he wants to join the rebellion. Maybe another one of the kids joins the empire and becomes a pilot or something like that to see that kind of that poll could be interesting. So I'm, I'm, I'm very curious to see kind of what the main threat of this series will be. Yeah. I, I, my first idea just kind of in a hopeful, you know, I think this could be cool. Um, I'd love to see like a little gang where one of them is force sensitive. And now that the, the, you know, proverbial boot has been lifted mm -hmm. now, they're like, well, now's our chance to go, you know, find your path and let's yeah. go on, a, let's go on a journey to bring you to master Luke Skywalker, who we've, we've heard these legends about from this kid that, you know, came in with a broom yeah. and he told us all these crazy stories, you know, <laughs> something, something like that. That's just yeah. like they're making their way through the galaxy on their own because there is some freedom now, but empire remnants would be really cool to, um, to kind of dive into. I know we've gotten a, a lot of that with the Mandalorian, but, um, it's still an area that is not as explored as maybe it should be. Um, yeah. because battlefront touches on it so much. Mm -hmm. Um, but like still not deep enough, you know, um, yeah. but it's there. So yeah, that's, I'm interested for the concept. Um, I guess we'll just, we'll have to wait another 
yeah. few years before we find out anything about it. For sure. And I think, yeah, you're right. Like see, having Luke Skywalker, you know, to go back to the Goonies, to be that kind of one-eyed willy kind of thing to where these mm-hmm. kids go on an adventure to find this, this, uh, this, you know, idea of, of the Jedi Order could be really interesting as well. So yeah, I'm definitely excited to hear more from that. I don't think that we're going to hear too much during Star Wars Celebration. Uh, maybe not. get a logo or something like that. But um, yeah, we've got so many exciting projects on the way, including... Uh, the next time, apparently, that we're going to be seeing Star Wars on the big screen, something that we kind of anticipated being the case, will be with Taika Waititi's untitled Star Wars film, uh, with Patty Jenkins' Rogue Squadron following after that. So... We've got some more Star Wars films on the way. Like I said, Noah, this is something that we kind of anticipated, you know, to be the case. Uh, Patty Jenkins seemed to be uh, putting that film on pause uh, to a degree. Uh, And uh, yeah, it it was kind of expected that we would see Taika's film uh, up next. Yeah, there's there's definitely something to be said about the fact that I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious uh at best nervous at worst to kind of find out what you know what star wars looks like when it's going to be coming back to theaters Mm -hmm. um you know what does the time frame look like for for star wars to be on the silver screen um and we don't really know and obviously kathleen kennedy is kind of you know wanting to wanting to really dodge a lot of that because of the way that these things have been so shaky, mm-hmm. like we'll talk about in a little bit. Yes. Um, but also with Patty Jenkins's uh, movie is that things have been shaky and not everything is solid. I know that Disney would like to say that things are solid, but Lucasfilm is maybe saying that things are a little bit more fluid. Um, that's something that makes me nervous, but you know, may- maybe at best we'll get like a time frame at Star Wars Celebration, and that'll at least make me happy, I think. You know what? I think a lot of this kind of stuff is really liberating for me. It doesn't stress me out really at all, um, which I think might be surprising to some people. because Maybe it I'm seems just like... always stressed out. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you need to talk to your doctor about that yeah. one. But yeah, um, I think a lot of people would be like, oh, there's drama behind the scenes, and oh, the creators and the, the powers that be are disagreeing, and you know, we're not ever going to see Ryan Johnson's trilogy, which is now in this article being described as being on the back burner. Honestly, that's a win for me. It's like, great that we're acknowledging that that literally exists, you know? Yeah, shelved uh, we, is worse than back burner, honestly. Yeah, and that's kind of uh, seeming how Rogue Squadron is being treated. It's like, we're, it's not done. It's still going to happen. It's just we're not working on it actively right now, which to me, they, uh, uh, Kathleen Kennedy also talks about, they're kind of removed that need or that quota, in a sense, to be fulfilled of we need a blockbuster movie every single year. Uh, cause that's not what George did. He gave himself three years in between each film and 10 years or so uh, in between each trilogy. And I love that. As you said, yeah, Lucasfilm is being a little bit more fluid with we're exploring TV right now. And if the right story comes along and the right filmmaker comes along and it works out, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll explore the theatrical side of things and we'll make a movie, but we're not going to rush things. That's really exciting for me that they'll, they'll kind of have these one-off movies or, one off in the sense that, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll have this type of film and if it works, then we'll explore a sequel maybe. Um, other than Ryan Johnson's trilogy and maybe this kind of supposed, you know, uh, old Republic trilogy that is kind of being, you know, uh, tossed around here. 
Um, it seems like they're kind of just letting these stories just progress a little bit more organically, which I think is really, is really thrilling. And, you know, Tyke is working on his film. Patty Jenkins is working on their film. And I like that they're not just beholden to no December, 2023, we've got to have a star Wars film in theaters. And if we don't, it's going to cost the studio a lot of money and blah, right. blah, blah. I like that. It can just be like, yeah, it'll work out when it works out. And you know, when, when the movie is going to release, that's when it'll release. And I don't feel the the need to really usher or to uh, rush those things along because, like I said, we are completely filled as Star Wars fans. We have so much stuff, so I don't feel that hunger to see Star Wars in the degree that I'm not, I don't feel like I'm starved of content. Am I excited to see Star Wars in theaters? You bet your butt I am, man. Like after seeing uh, all of the original trilogy films in theaters and seeing a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And you know, that the fandom, uh, the fans that I was seeing those movies with this like cheer when the Star Wars logo comes up, that scratch that itch of like, Oh man, I can't wait to see this again or to feel this again. Uh, but if it's going to take a little bit of time, it's going to take time. Uh, star Wars fans were used to waiting for things and, uh, you know, waiting to see star Wars on the, 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 on the big screen. Yes. I'm anticipating it, but I don't feel the need to, uh, you know, uh, to say, Oh, there's smoke. There must be fire. I don't think yeah. so. I think we're just, uh, well, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're waiting patiently, like, yeah. uh, like, like, a, like Qui-Gon, you know, <laughs> I, I do. Honestly, I do think that, you know, there's no reason to be worried right now. I will start to worry when we've reached the end of, you know, what, whatever, uh, Disney plus shows that they've announced when we reach the end of, you know, star Wars, a droid story and Lando and all mm-hmm. these other things, it, or if they like keep adding shows, but keep pushing back movies you know, or yeah. we reach the end of the, all those shows and we're like, well, wait a minute, what's next? We still don't have this movie. Yeah. Like, of course that's not going to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. You just, you're right. We're flooded with stuff right now yeah. and it'll happen when it happens. But you know, it's not like we're devoid of any kind of content at all, you know? Um, yeah. so it's silly to worry about things right now and be like, well, when is that ever going to happen? Well, there's a lot of stuff coming down, you know, totally. it'll, it'll yeah. happen eventually. And it's not like these TV shows are like feel smaller. It's not like, I mean, they're to the degree, I mean, the movies feel big, of course, but it's not like I'm watching these shows and being like, oh, it feels like a TV show. It's like, no, these budgets and the technology being implemented here is very impressive. And I still feel like it is, does that have that, that big, uh, kind of blockbuster feeling to it. But, um, Kennedy had also kind of noted, uh, about kind of the trials and tribulations of trying to navigate this, you know, outside the episodic films, like how are we navigating these stories? And she did kind of mention the uh, box office disappointment for Solo, a Star Wars story, and kind of how that redirected uh, their their uh, course there as far as exploring these other stories. And it did, out of all of the stuff in here, it did kind of, I would say, upset the fans uh, to the most. I was a little, I wasn't upset. I was just a little kind of, it kind of just confirmed things that we kind of knew here for a little bit. And that was, you know, I I will pull up the exact quote here, but it was this idea that recasting these legacy characters and recasting these um, very well-known and beloved uh, characters as, for example, Alden Ehrenreich uh, playing Han Solo, you know, she had just said that that was something that was kind of an impossible task here and something that is not necessarily something that they might want to uh 
you know, pursue again in the future. And that was just a little, a little disheartening. It's hard to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because as I had uh, uh, pointed out and, and tweeted that like, you've got a series coming out next week that is a recasting of a Star Wars character. And you've also got Ahsoka who's on the cover of this issue, who's a recasting of a Star Wars character. I just don't understand that perspective. Um, I know that there were some people being like, well, that's not what she said. It's just not, that's, that was taken out of context kind of thing. We might get, you know, the full uh, interview here uh, later on. Uh, Do you have any kind of reaction to this as I kind of look up this, the exact quote? Because I I do Uh, want to be as fair as I can be. Yeah, I I do think that there's something to be said there about the success. Again, I don't know if there's reason to really be, uh, you know, up in arms about the fact that she's right um, about some of those things. The opinion there, however, of, you know, well, it doesn't really work, uh, you know, because of this. Uh, I think that Solo had way more going for it that was going to tank the ship um, Mm -hmm. than Alden Ehrenreich playing Han Solo because he's not the best part of the film, but he does an admirable job. And the reality is that it's scary to think that even if, they wanted to have this, you know, continue these these characters' stories. It is scary to think that Disney has a library of, you know, of people's likenesses and faces that they can mm-hmm. kind of pull from and say, totally. well, we want Tarkin again. Well, we want Carrie Fisher again. Well, we want Mark Hamill again. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, I, I don't I don't see Peter Cushing making uh, a postmortem return, um, but something like you know Luke Skywalker being in something else can obviously be done with or without Mark Hamill at this point. Yeah, um, and it just comes down to a matter of how do we how do we consume content and do we you know do we care about that kind of thing? Does it make a difference in how people are going to view this if we were to cast you know? God forbid Sebastian Stan play, you know, Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Um, you know, how, do, how does that make people feel? That's a huge conversation that, that Lucasfilm is not going to divulge on, mm-hmm. you know, what kind of, what that might look like in terms of future plans. It's just not in, it's not in people's minds right now, but I yeah. guarantee that it will be eventually. Um, and it's just a matter of, do people want to enjoy these stories if, you know, if we have to do something like, you know, if we have to do something like redoing these, these things with characters, maybe, you know, digitally remaking someone like Princess Leia, what does that look like? You know, or we just recast and I don't know, I think you just have to get far enough away from the source material for it to not make as big of a deal. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just think it's just interesting because I, I truly believe if you look at the track record for Star Wars in regards to recasting these roles, it's much more in favor for fans being like kind of open to it. Like, yeah, yeah. I because I think if you look at you know these major, Ewan McGregor is obviously a really big one, uh, and then you have Hayden Christensen, which I, I think those kind of cancel each other out because. Ewan was really beloved by fans even at the time. And then Hayden was not as received as well by fans. But then you have Alden Ehrenreich, which at even the people who like maybe weren't as big of a fan of his, like I, I'm not going to act like I welcomed him with open arms. I think it is something like Ahsoka to where over time, it's something that I got a little bit more used to. And now I can watch solo a star Wars story and really enjoy the film. And his performance doesn't necessarily stick out as much. But even at the time I had remember said, like I was like, 
it's not like I watched this movie and I'm like, that's not Han Solo. It was more just like at worst, it's he doesn't immediately and it's not a slam dunk for me. It was like at worst, it's this is a movie about you know, a uh, cocky, arrogant space pirate guy, and maybe not as much Han Solo. Um, but then in, in that very movie, Donald Glover crushed it as Lando. He was amazing in that movie. Huge fan of his work in that. So I think you have that. But then fans, I think, as you know, for the most part, were not terribly receptive to Tarkin and Rogue One. Uh, weren't huge fans of Leia in that film either. Um, and then Mandalorian and the book of Boba Fett were pretty mixed. I don't didn't think a lot of fans were super open to the, the deep fake stuff. And it definitely took some, was kind of a learning curve. And I just think, you know, the exact quote here is, uh, Kennedy had just said, there should be moments along the way where you learn things. Now it does seem so abundantly clear that we can't do that referring to recasting these legacy characters. And I just think it is just odd that we do have a series that is coming out with a character who was recast and Lando is a series that is coming out with a character uh, and a performance that was recast and Ahsoka again, you know, so it's just kind of, I think it should be a case by case basis thing that if you have an idea for a series, okay, what's the best way that we can implement this character, whether they be the the lead, uh, like, like uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi or, or Ahsoka or Lando, or if it's like the book of Boba Fett where they pop up and it's a cameo practically, you know, do we want to implement those deep fake technology or do we want to recast as an actor uh, with a, with a new actor and actually have a, a human performance to this rather than a computer. And I more oftentimes than not, I'm really going to be an advocate for no recast as an as an actor i don't care how tied to that actor the role is like harrison ford as han solo i mean i don't know how you could get more tied to a role than with that but i look to something like dr sleep and they recast uh, jack nicholson as as uh, jack torrance and i thought that was excellent you know and 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 uh, shelly duvall as well and recasting in that role i i I point to something like that as an example of if you have the right cast and and you have the the right acting in the right filmmaker behind the camera, I think you can really make stuff like that work. Um, I'm not going to act like this is my main takeaway from this article, but that was just something that I was just like to, to minimize the, or to, to, to single out the casting as the main reason why solo didn't make a lot of money, even though there was a lot of stuff that was, surrounding that movie in regards to its release date uh the the uh, marketing of the movie uh and and everything there were so many factors to con- that contributed to solo and kind of being this like the opposite of a perfect storm to making that movie have the the return that it did to boil it down to the casting uh and i don't think she's pointing fingers at alden Ehrenreich specifically but it does kind of seem like the the blame is being shifted away and a little bit more towards the actors. I didn't just think that was terribly fair, you know? Yeah, no, there, there's a lot of merit to that kind of argument to say that, that it's just not a good position to take, um, within your company, which is Mm -hmm. rough. Um, but yeah, there's so many things that go into it. You mentioned, um, Alex Esso's performance in, in Dr. Uh, Dr. Sleep. Yeah. Golly. I mean, there's, so good. There's not a. I don't think there's a more perfect recreation of another person's performance. Um, just you know, for that little tiny bit of time, um, really like it really leaves an impact. So it's possible. Um, you know, yeah. so knowing that it's possible, I think colors that uh, that quote to say, well, why 
can't you do it? You know, what is it that you're afraid of? It's mm-hmm. not about, it can't possibly be about the fact that it's like, well, it's just not possible. It can't be done because yeah. it's just, it just doesn't work. Yeah. No, there's obviously a reason there. And I, you know, I've said this when we talk about like the, the, uh, under the helmet stuff and the, you know, the Disney gallery stuff, I get a little bit, I get a little bit clenched when, when Kathleen Kennedy, uh, comes on screen because everything that she has to say now is going to be taken as meaning something else. People are going to read between the lines and take it out of context. And there's going to be, you know, whether or not it's people, you know, actually having a correct interpretation, but there is something behind the things that she says, the under the helmet stuff, her Mm -hmm. talking about that felt so corporate that it's, you know, you're like, one, it's hard to get away from that idea in the first place, but two, yeah, so you're not her, making it any job, easier. You know? <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah, one of those we, things. Yeah, we, we've talked before, and we did a whole episode about Kathleen Kennedy and kind of our, um, you know, our, a state of the union, as it were, of, you know, kind yeah, of her yeah. position in Lucasfilm and kind of how the fan responds to that and everything. So we've done a whole episode on that kind of stuff. We don't have to rehash that here. And right. usually I'm willing to give her the benefit of the doubt. Um, and, but this is a quote that I'm just like, to, to say it's abundantly clear that we can't do that. I'm just like, eh, Ouch. Uh, I don't know if it's as, if it's as uh, clear cut as, as it's being made out to be, yeah, but it wasn't clear to me, but was, you know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But you know, um, uh, maybe Obi-Wan Kenobi will uh, change her tune a little bit and see that fans are really open to seeing uh, recasting, uh, and, uh, to see that it can work really well. And speaking of which, uh, the press tour, Noah for Obi-Wan Kenobi has officially kicked off here, uh, in, uh, recently in Berlin, uh, where the three leads of the series being, uh, of course, McGregor, but, uh, Hayden Christensen and Moses Ingram, uh, as well as uh, Deborah Chow, the director of the series, have participated in multiple uh, media events. Don't know about you. This has flooded my Twitter feed. It's amazing clips and uh, GIFs and photos of everybody. It's been such a uh, such a pleasure to see all of that. But something that I really wanted to talk about here is, you know, the cast. It seems like a real tone of these uh, interviews is how the the uh, uh, Hayden and and Ewan specifically how this how how time has kind of changed their perspective on the prequel trilogy so you know we don't have to dive in uh, uh too much to some of these quotes here but i, I just kind of wanted to get your reaction to what mcgregor has been saying and what uh hayden has been saying because it's just been uh that's it really does seem like that's been kind of the primary message of a lot of this kind of stuff is how change uh has come with with time well we've talked about we talked about this a little bit about how it's you know, Ewan McGregor is far and away the best part of the prequels, um, you know, mm-hmm. beyond a shadow of a doubt. And his reaction to kind of the his reaction to the reaction to those movies, mm-hmm. um, you know, was sort of along the same lines as pretty much everybody else. Um, and I shouldn't say everybody else because there were some, you know, a little bit more drastic and, and upsetting reactions from people mm-hmm. like Ahmed Best and Jake Lloyd, but yeah, Ewan McGregor's feelings towards it was just like, Hey, that, that really kind of hurt my feelings. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, yeah. which is sure that's to be expected, but you know, he wasn't the one that got that, you know, that got the hate for it. Really. He wasn't. Yeah. Um, however, it's still one of those things where he's like, this was something that we all had to get over together. Um, 
And you, you can kind of understand that in the way that, you know, listening to Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor talk about like, what was their relationship after the films, you know, yeah. and, and how did they, how did they respond to these things? They were both, you know, kind of in this remission, uh, stage of their lives after this. And, you know, to hear that from Ewan McGregor is obviously heartbreaking in some mm-hmm. sense, because it's like, we, but we didn't, we didn't mean it to hurt your feelings, you know? Um, and, yeah. but, but it obviously did. Um, so kind of the reaction now and, and the growth now is interesting to hear from him because it's like, you would think that Ewan McGregor was like, like he kind of made it, he kind of made it out easy, um, mm-hmm. from this thing. Um, and realistically he didn't. And this, the stuff that he's saying is it's like, you can kind of tell that he was in line with what George Lucas had as a vision, um, mm-hmm. you know, as I'm sure was, you know, most of the, the cast where they were aware of how this was, you know, turning out somebody like Ahmed best, you know, has spoken a lot about his relationship with George Lucas and his relationship with the movies because of George Lucas and what that w- response was like. Um, so hearing, you know, the Obi-Wan talk mm-hmm. about the reception there and what it's like to come back to this is, you know, you just really want the best for all of them, yeah. which is, I think, something that we get a little bit of solace here, you know? Yeah. And I think you're right to point out that the prequels, even though they had such a, a widespread kind of negative pushback from fans, I think even the most vehement, you know, prequel haters, it was kind of like a, mostly agreed upon that Ewan McGregor was at least like the, a, a real bright point of a lot of those films. And, um, even though he might not have faced the full brunt of the, uh, the, uh, the, the star Wars fandom, like, like Jake Lloyd did and Ahmed best, especially. Um, I, I think that it's still worth mentioning that and he even talks about it. He's like, I worked on those films for a lot of my life. Like that was a big, portion of my professional career. And he was also, I thought it was so interesting that he, I think it's in the Vanity Fair article specifically that he talks about the commitment that is required for, with some of those films and that he was hesitant even as he considered himself to kind of be like, no, I'm a serious actor. I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a real auteur here. And to do star Wars was kind of like a tough pill for me to swallow and f- to do it. And then also be so hated by the fans was just kind of like, it took a toll. And I think it's so nice that even it's making its way to um because as a star wars fan you could you hear you know uh like people our age are, are really supportive of those movies revenge of the sith in particular but it's so nice to hear that it's making its way to the very people that probably need to hear it the most you know yeah. uh there's yeah. a, a clip of um that i've i put the quote in here to where he is asked by a reporter who's uh, you know from context it seems like he's kind of a similar age to you and i um but he says uh, uh mcgregor says um uh, you know, they weren't written very nicely about the critics, uh, meaning the prequel films. And he says, but what we didn't hear at the time was people your age, meaning the, the, the reporter he says your generation. We met those people now that really love our films, but it has taken us 15 years uh, for us to hear that. But it's so nice. It's really nice. It changed my outlook, my relationship with Star Wars. It's different because of that, I think. And they talk about Revenge of the Sith, especially about how that movie means so much to people. And I just I hope that George Lucas also is hearing some of this because I think the most most 
you know, uh, George hasn't been open about as much of like how this maybe impacted his mental health, his perception of himself. Ahmed Best has been very open and honest about how, you know, he struggled with suicide even, uh, and George and, uh, Jake Lloyd has also had a lot of mental health issues. Um, you know, whether or not George has, uh, has experienced those things, I don't think he owes the Star Wars fandom anything, frankly. Uh, I could totally understand why he was like, I'm selling this like, and you yeah, guys want yeah. me to get away from this so bad. Fine here. And I just, I think it's so, uh, funny seems like a weird word to say, but it's so funny how Star Wars fans are now clamoring for him to have it back and that Disney doesn't understand Star Wars and all that kind of nonsense, you know, but it's just like, you guys are the same people who were telling him 10 years ago to, that he doesn't understand the very thing that he helped to birth, you know? So all that to say, I think it's so lovely that, people like myself and like you and people who grew up on these movies. And even though you and I still have complicated feelings about these films, even the, our least favorite of the prequel movies, we still have this very unique loving relationship towards, and it's not a hateful thing at all. It's very nostalgic for everyone. And, uh, even though I, I can't necessarily afford to say hi to you in regard to star <laughs> Wars celebration, if I would, that would be precisely what I would tell them or to tell him. And, and, you know, uh, Hayden, if he was to come to celebration as well is like, I'm so glad that you have been re, um, kind of reintroduced to the star Wars fandom and have had this new perception from people, my age and people who these movies mean a lot to, and your performance especially means a lot to people like myself. And that's why we're so excited. You know, we yeah. wouldn't be as excited yeah. if, if these performances didn't mean a lot to us. And I'm just so glad that they have been, um, welcomed with open arms or re welcomed with open arms. So yeah, as it were, right. That's kind of the thing. And, and, Going to Star Wars Celebration in, in 2019 with Hayden Christensen coming back and yeah. just being, you know, I guess being in in that, uh, you know, that presence of of a loving fan base yeah. um, for the first time in a long time, along yeah. with Ahmed Best, who is there, you know, for the first time mm -hmm. in forever yeah. uh, to be like, this is, this was hard for me to come back because yeah. this is, this is a, a, like it's an entity that's hated me mm -hmm. for so long yeah. um, to come back and just be literally like applauded to tears yeah. um, by, by people that, yep. that are just so happy that somebody that they have grown up with um, yeah. is, you know, kind of taking ownership of the place that they've totally. had in people's lives. Um, yeah. That's huge. That's huge. You and I, yeah. I, I'll, I'll, I'll throw Kelly Marie Tran in that too. Cause when she yeah. was uh, at the celebration stage and she came on and people literally cheered <sighs> her to tears, you know, it's like these, and uh, I was very close to, to uh, purchasing an autograph package for Kelly Marie Tran. And I was thinking about what I would talk to her specifically. And I was, you could say the same thing for Hayden, uh, for Ahmed best, Jake Lloyd and a slew of other people. But, these people don't owe us a thing and the mm -hmm. fact that they are willing to come to the 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 mecca of star wars fans yeah. that is star wars celebration and that to grant us the opportunity to kind of apologize in a way or to at least at minimum show them that those group of people don't speak for all of us and that people like kelly marie tran are not only accepted but beloved by star wars fans i'm just so glad that they have the opportunity to do that and i 
genuinely hope that that changes their perspective of Star Wars and also time and just kind of proving that time is going to heal a lot of these wounds, guys. And those those movies that you hate so much, like The Last Jedi, there's some kid out there right now, 10 years from now or 20 years from now. He's holding a broom and he's gripping tight. Yeah, 20 years from now, they're going to be celebrating. Well, not 20 years from now. In 2037, (laughs) they're going to be celebrating the 20th anniversary of The Last Jedi at Star Wars Celebration. And there's going to be so many people who love those movies. And so uh, make way is all I have to say. Make way. I mean, we'll be there. We will be there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Come I'll, be, I'll be 38. I'll be 38 yeah. and wearing the very Last Jedi shirt that I'm wearing right now. Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, just so happy and uh, so glad. And I honestly feel fortunate that we're getting uh, so many uh, shows that are directly kind of appealing, Noah, to uh, our generation of fans. And one of those things, of course, is Obi-Wan Kenobi, the series. Uh, very excited to uh, to be finally seeing that next weekend. But continuing our celebration Noah of Obi month Kenobi as I said we're gonna be breaking down our favorite lines from that crazy old hermit old Ben Kenobi himself uh, I'd kind of propose this to you as just kind of a fun fun little topic here we've had uh, deep dives this month about kind of the the deep uh, uh, meaning behind a lot of these lines and, and and you know what we wanted to discuss here and you know, we had both kind of agreed that, you know, some of our favorite lines from Kenobi are in that great Twin Sons episode, Star Wars Rebels. And you and I have, of course, uh, inducted that into the Jedi archives. So uh, all of the lines that we are going to be discussing today as our favorite are uh, none of which are going to include Twin Sons. Uh, we've done an entire breakdown of that scene and that moment from Star Wars Rebels. So if you guys want to check that out, it's available to you. But also, Noah, we're going to be inducting something else into the Jedi archives today. Do you want to kind of tee that up for us? Yeah, there's just, there's a ubiquitous uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi quote Mm -hmm. um, that obviously, you know, it carries much more meaning than just his character. Um, It is the end all be all of greetings in, you know, in Star Wars speak. It's Mm -hmm. one of those things that if you meet somebody for the first time and it's, it's the, the Bechtel test, if if you will, of of (laughs) a Star Wars fan, not only the Star Wars fans knowledge, but their willingness to be a Star Wars fan uh, with other people, regardless Mm -hmm. of whether or not that fact is known, but it is none other than Obi-Wan's, Hello there. Hello there. And indeed. I, I, I won't even attempt to do my best, you know, <laughs> Obi-Wan uh, impression, even though I swear to you, listener, it's great. Uh, and I do <laughs> it all the time. You're just going to have to trust me. Because if I were to try it and screw it up, uh, we cannot edit this. We're live. We're, you know, <laughs> this is, it's just not going to happen again. And I will be yeah. an absolute fool of myself. Yeah. Uh, and I would decide edit that, it purely to make you look like a fool (laughs) exactly i can't trust you as far as i can throw you and i can't reach through the screen to los angeles so exactly um i I, here's kind of our thinking on this because it is Mm -hmm. the obi-wan quote uh not just from revenge of the sith but also from a new hope it's just one of those things that sums up obi-wan as a whole as best as it can um Mm -hmm. and you know when i hear it it's it's like I'm I'm grateful that I can hear it and also hear, you know, Alec Guinness and James Arnold Taylor and Ian yes. McGregor. Yeah. Um, and it's something that that just spans everything about Obi-Wan and everything mm-hmm. about Star Wars as a whole. Uh, yeah. We decided that this can't possibly be 
any of either of our, you know, top quotes because it mm. just is the top quote. Yeah. Therefore, we are inducting hello there into the Jedi archives. Yes. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it is crazy how like to think about it. Yeah. There's that famous scene in revenge of the Sith, which is kind of, you know, come back around and, and has that sense of humor about things and kind mm-hmm. of how it is this, the power of memes is so strong in star Wars, but it's also, it's like, no, it's this multimedia thing that it's in video games. It's an emote that you can do to people. And I've done it many a times since <laughs> battlefront two, you know, but it's also from the clone wars. And it's also from, uh, I, yeah, it's a new hope, obviously, you know, like you have these, these different, I feel like anytime James Arnold Taylor posts a video on Instagram or Twitter, he's, he's doing it, you know, so on it. Yeah, exactly. It's just the best. And I also, it's funny how even out of context, uh, I don't know if you've seen this at, I think it's target. They have like these home decor sections and there's like a, I think it's a doormat and there's also like this little sign that you can put up uh, (laughs) and it's, it's totally removed from star Wars. It's like the, whatever the, the, you know, the, those people's names, I don't know what their name is, but they, they do the HGTV show show i forget what their oh, name is and they, they have like a whole and drew <laughs> or whatever brothers. their name no 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 no, not the property brothers it, the the husband and wife doesn't uh, matter i don't know you somebody knows what i'm talking about but they have like a target brand of like yeah. home decor one of the things that they have is a sign that says hello there and i know star wars fans have also like adopted that so even like target decor completely removed from star wars has now been star wars and has now been morphed into star wars so yeah this is an obi-wan quote to end all obi-wan quotes but i didn't think it made for as interesting of a discussion which i'm so excited to have with you here now um we've got three choices here of our favorite over Obi-Wan Kenobi lines. My um, honorable mentions is a bit, it's a bit more contained this week. I've only got three to choose from. I've so got to kick four, off. So that's, that's good. You did it. That was the first yeah, time that you have more honorable it. mentions than I do. Usually I have like a whole list here, but right, I um, know. But Noah, why don't you go ahead and kick us off with your number three favorite Obi-Wan Kenobi line. My number three favorite Obi-Wan Kenobi line uh, is something that we mentioned not even a week ago. Um, And it's just something that rings in my head as classic Master Obi-Wan Kenobi. uh, And it's, I don't mind flying, but what you're doing is suicide. (laughs) I don't know what it is. Uh, I just love the way that that line is is given um yeah i think that you know the banter there is top tier for Mm. hayden and ewan i think that you know that i guess that scene is written so interestingly that there's you know there's that bit there's the anakin pull up there's you know how many times have i had to tell you not to fly through the power couplings you know the there's all of it where it's just I, you know, I always go back to, to that scene to say that it's so ripe with kind of the, you know, it's got the yeah. high flying action. It's got the great visual effects. It's, it's chase scene, right? But yes. it's also got the person banter. It's also conversational and, and character driven. Mm-hmm. It is a great Obi-Wan moment in general. Yeah. Yeah. It's the best. And it also really sums up their kind of relationship there to where Anakin is this reckless hot shot. And Obi-Wan yeah. is just like, I didn't sign up for this. I don't want to fly. Right. I'm just he's like, I'm like, yeah. In that scene, he's not being as much of a jerk as he is in the, the rest of the movie. It's yeah. still kind of that like 
Anakin's a kid and, you know, and yeah. Obi-Wan's the, the begrudging father type. And he's yes. just like, oh, what the heck, kid, yeah. you know? Yeah, and, and Ewan also has such a great read of that. He's like, what you're doing is suicide. It's like yeah, he says yeah. it like right as the speeder is passing by. No, that's a that's a great moment here. And yeah, it also try made doing me think that on a about... green screen. Try doing that when there's nothing <laughs> flying around you. That's acting right there, baby. Yeah, man. Yeah. It also made me uh, go back into my honorable mentions and just add like a few comedic moments because I've realized uh, my list is maybe a little too serious. But um, that leads me to my number three, uh, which I think is a line that might be a little bit of a controversial line here. It's one that Uh-oh. even when I went and saw Return of the Jedi in theaters, it's one that got a laugh from fans and not like, uh, oh, this is a comedic moment. I'm laughing. It was more of like laughing at it. So the line that I have for my number three and my favorite Obi-Wan Kenobi lines is Luke, you're going to find that many of the truths we cling to greatly depend or uh, depend greatly on our own point of view. So a lot of people point to this line as like proof that Obi-Wan's kind of a dick. Like he yeah. lies to Luke and he deceives them intentionally, which I've always been a big uh, advocate for Obi-Wan uh, and, and the, I guess the fib that he tells Luke, because I think if you go back and watch those movies, when is the right time to tell him? You know, like in a new hope, you know, Probably like right after his parents die or his aunt and uncle die. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I don't think he's ready for that burden as Yoda tells him. He's not ready to face that truth and also be welcomed into this entire new galaxy and this new perception, and this new worldview to also burden him with that knowledge of his father, I just think would be too much. So there's that side of things. But then also, I think this is just really great wisdom in life and that in life, you're going to have your experiences and in your own upbringing, uh, upbringing, even that is going to alter the way that you see the world and you alter the way that you perceive uh, events and, and things that happen to you and these outside forces. And I think it's important to acknowledge that your own point of view is going to change the way that you perceive quote unquote truth, you know, yeah. uh, like lower T truth. And yeah. I think, uh, especially in the past few years, it's been more abundantly clear to me that looking towards others and accepting their perception and accepting their experiences is also very valid, um, as well. So I think a line that might be used as fans as kind of a retcon in a way, cause Lucas maybe didn't know that Vader in this, in this plot twist was going to be the case in the new hope and that it's just kind of like a, a clever way to kind of brush that off. I think in that there is a lot of insight and there is a lot of wisdom in this line. And I think it is something that I would point to is if fans are going to kind of look to dunk on Kenobi a little bit. It's like, well, no, I think, I think he's exactly right. And it's, it's always been very evident to me that Anakin and Vader are, at this time, different people. And I also understand how Kenobi could think this way. And I think this line is also, you know, leading to what we're eventually going to be seeing in this series and how that perception and how he gets to that way of thinking will change. I think this is a line that will uh, definitely endure and might even, uh, this series might change uh, people's perception of this line. Yeah, there's a lot to be said about kind of his attitude in general in the original trilogy. And he, I don't think at all that it's a, you know, a turn of character. I think that taking everything into account is, you know, that Obi-Wan is somewhat written in the original trilogy as someone who not is, you know, he's not trying to lie for personal gain. It's totally more of, it's more of that, like, well, the world is way more complicated than just these two things, just light and dark. Yeah. And, you know, it, a lot of what Obi-Wan has learned over the course of his life is how 
things may not be exactly as they seem. I think it fits in really well, honestly. Totally. Yeah. I don't think it's a line that's given enough credit. uh, And that's why I wanted to highlight it here as my number three pick. So Noah, what is your number two favorite Kenobi line? Well, before I jump my number two, I am realizing that most of my quotes um, are almost all of them, including the honorable mentions are, are prequel era quotes, uh, not original trilogy quotes. <laughs> makes sense, is, man. Your point I mean, of view makes I just, sense. I love it. Anyways, uh, my number two, this one is one I always find interesting because I think there's something hidden a little bit behind this, mm-hmm. uh, but it is uh, also from Attack of the Clones where Obi-Wan says, be, mind- be mindful of your thoughts, Anakin, they betray you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a really interesting perspective to think of when you know we have something like season seven of clone wars where obi-wan clearly knows that something is going on between anakin and padme yeah even before that he knows that it's like there's that that feeling is there um obi-wan can obviously sense anakin's feelings you know he says you're tense like Mm -hmm. um that take a deep breath (laughs) yeah that that whole entire like that whole entire interaction is something that Obi-Wan is, you know, not only mindful of himself and he's calm and he's composed, but he is like, you know, understanding the feelings of Anakin and totally Mm -hmm. knows that this dude is nervous because he's been crushing on the Senator for, you know, 12 (laughs) plus years. Um, it's, it's something that's very interesting because I love the idea now of kind of going back to these older things and just kind of watching them with this idea that there were things that I know, obviously, because I'm the audience member, what if these characters also are aware of this thing? How does this recontextualize things? And does it, you know, does it change things a lot? Does it change things a little bit? Does it reshape their interactions at all? Um, obviously, like, you know, by the end of Revenge of the Sith, Obi-Wan is is very, you know he's very aware of what's happening. Um, Mm -hmm. but at at least in this, he knows that there is that side of Anakin that he's just not able to keep in check. And it's something that leads into kind of their relationship, whether or not you're looking at like how close they actually are during the clone wars or how they drift apart by the beginning to end of revenge of the Sith is just, I think it's very cool to think about. Yeah, I think it's also shows a lot of wisdom from Obi-Wan and that he's kind of telling Anakin that like these thoughts that you're having um, and I think he's these feelings that you're having these impure are, thoughts. <laughs> well, I think he's I think he's expressing to Anakin that to hold these thoughts in and to not like openly share them or to kind of experience these these feelings more specifically because that's what Obi-Wan tells to Luke to is to stretch out with your feelings you know to to allow those to more motivate you and and how you feel about things i think that that is shows a lot of wisdom and it also is kind of pointing at the one of the downfalls of the uh, prequel era Jedi is that these thoughts that you have, you just kind of have to hold deep down, you know, and these connections yeah. that you have and to deny these things are maybe not what's healthy for you. It also reminds me of 
one of my favorite um, uh, quotes from The Rise of Skywalker from Leia, where she says, don't tell me what things look like, uh, tell me what they are. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of a similar kind of, uh, it's like in a similar kind of ballpark as to what uh, Kenobi is feeling or to what Kenobi is uh, sharing here is that, yeah, you might be thinking certain things and you might be in, in your head about certain things, but I think if you allow yourself to feel some of these feelings uh, and to maybe even open up about them, uh, that you can kind of share these burden, uh, share this burden with other people uh, and to, they can also help you kind of navigate these things. And I think, yeah, maybe at the end of the day, uh, Anakin needed somebody to talk to, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's all he ever needed. That's was all therapy. he needed. Hey, that's all we need. You know, that's yeah. all we need. Um, go, I think that's a great, your, yeah. uh, what's your, what's your number two? Yeah, I think that's a great number pick here, but I am also going to the prequel era, but I am going to animation with this <gasps> one. Uh, wow. and this is from the Clone Wars. It's actually following the uh, Citadel arc. Uh, and Obi-Wan is actually speaking with Anakin where he says, if we sacrifice our code, even for victory, we may lose that, which is most important, our honor. I think that in it, like in and of itself, if you're going to point to a quote from Kenobi and, and Kenobi's kind of known as like the golden child of the Jedi order. Mm-hmm. If you're going to point to a quote or a moment that says why it's got to be this one here, like that is in like in a perfect t-shirt kind of bumper sticker way the antithesis to what the jedi did in the prequel era and in the clone wars is that they did sacrifice their code even to win this battle they lost their their honor and and that kind of uh that that sense of 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 duty that they had overtook maybe what they kind of held dear you know um and and I think they didn't allow themselves to fully think through what they were trying to accomplish. And I think also Kenobi shows a lot of wisdom here in this moment. And I also want to go back to what we talked about last week uh, uh, from Attack of the Clones, uh, where Yoda is talking about the cost of victory and that that victory that they thought that they faced in Geonosis was not a victory at all. And it is leading them to down this darker path. I think Obi-Wan is showing a lot of growth in this moment, too. And eventually also leads to kind of this this perception that we see uh, later on in the original trilogy and that that dark side is is quicker and more subject uh, subdu- uh, uh, seductive as, as Yoda describes it. And if if you go down that path and sacrifice your code, yeah, you might you might win. Uh, but it's, 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 think about what you're losing, uh, along the way. I think Obi-Wan shows a lot of, of wisdom in this moment and something that I, I wish Anakin would have heard more, you know, yeah. cause I, I think he needed to. Yeah. And it's, it's, my mind is immediately drawn to something like Luke and the last Jedi that mm-hmm. understands that kind of, um, I guess that path, that forked road where it's like, yeah. well, you've got, you've got two options and it's mm-hmm. very clear now in hindsight that, you know, one of those things wasn't considered, that wisdom wasn't considered. Um, yeah. and it's, it's really cool to watch that come entirely full circle, you know, yeah. um, sort yeah. of in a sense, but maybe it's just, you know, kind of headcanon and seeing how things connect. But yeah, I, I love that. I think that that's really great. Yeah, I think also Luke could have benefited from hearing this, like yeah, La- Last yeah. Jedi era Luke, and that when Rey does go straight for the dark, she doesn't need to hear, you went straight to the dark, and he kind of abandons her. That, you know, he says that, you know, I- I've seen this power once before, it didn't scare me then, now it, it-, it does now. I think Obi-Wan, you know, or Luke should have shared wisdom similar to this, and with Rey, it's like, yeah, that choice is there, and when the time comes, you're going to have to make that choice. But just letting you know, if you sacrifice 
that code and that, that goodness in your heart and that light for the quicker victory and the easier victory and the more seductive victory, you're losing your honor. I think, I think there's a lot of wisdom in this and one that a lot of Jedi probably should have also heard <laughs> yeah. in, uh, during yeah. this era. So that's my number two pick Noah, meaning we are on to our honorable mentions. Um, as I said, I originally had three, but I added a couple quick ones there just that, that just came to mind. Yeah. Uh, not nothing too deep in a lot of these, but uh, throw me uh, how many did you say you said you had five? I said I have four. You've got four. So give me uh, give me two of yours and I'll give you three of mine. Okay. Uh, this is one that just, like catches me off guard every time I hear it. Um, it's mm-hmm. so silly and like weird, mm-hmm. uh, but it's from Revenge of the Sith. Uh, it's wait a minute, how did this happen? We're smarter than this. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> what a Apparently weird not. line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just that. Like again, that banter is mm-hmm. really. It's really good. Um, there's not a whole lot to say about that line yeah. other than like. It, it just reeks of deleted scene. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's so odd, but also like it fits in a weird way. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, to me, my like personal head canon on that is that, you know, they're maybe caught up in this mission and Palpatine is, is kind of playing them as he's being rescued. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're still pawns, whether or not they think they are. And yeah. It's, it's just a funny moment in that weird kind of complicated, twisted web of things. I just think it's hilarious. Yeah. It's a line that also could fit during the battle of Mustafar where they're fighting. <laughs> he just needs to pause and be like, wait a minute, how did this happen? We're smarter than this, you know, and yeah. kind of think of the bigger picture. So that's a, that's a great Kenobi line. Yeah. Uh, and then another one that I have, uh, again, like I said, from the prequel era, mm-hmm. uh, is where are you going master for a drink <laughs> for a drink? One of the best. It's so good. Uh, I'm a big fan of Kenobi at the bar. I'm hoping yeah. we get some more Kenobi bar action and, you know, in the series here, but yeah. that's, uh, that's I, one I, of the best. I will say I'm sad that we most likely won't see like suave Kenobi, uh, mm-hmm. in this show because, you know, Tatooine is not really the place where you can be suave. Yeah. Uh, it's the place where you can be dirty and poor. Uh, <laughs> but seeing this is just one of those things that's like, yeah. you know, it's a great teaching moment. I know that it's a funny moment yeah. and it's lighthearted, but it's a great teaching moment where Anakin is like looking to kill someone. He is yeah. like, you know, trying to finish this. And Obi-Wan yeah. is like, Let's just scout it out for a little bit. Let's take it. Let's take it slow. Play it cool. Yeah. yeah. And it's a really good setup to kind of the the tension of the the moment that follows. Mm-hmm. And you know that whole scene I think is really great. Also leads to one of the best uh, Kenobi lines, not in my honorable mentions, but it easily could be of the the whole Death Sticks conversation. Yeah. It's just the yeah. best. It's just the best. But uh, in my honorable mentions, I have a the, a couple of more uh, prequel era quotes here. Um, I've got a couple from Revenge of the Sith, but one that I wanted to point to from Attack of the Clones. It's one of the funniest moments in Attack of the Clones, or just really the prequel movies in general. Um, I love in the the Geonosis arena where Anakin goes, <laughs> "We came to rescue you, Master," and Obi Wan just looks at the chains. He says, "Good job." It's yeah. one of the best. Uh, uh, McGregor's reading in that is just is pitch perfect. It's, super yeah. super funny, but also really goes to that relationship between Anakin and Obi Wan of like Anakin is headstrong and he dives into this and his heart's kind of in the right place, but he maybe doesn't think it th- entirely through. Right. 
Obi-Wan is like, how did I get caught up in this? Like, I wish I was just at home, just, you know, having a nice drink and, and just enjoying being a Jedi. But it's still, I'm here. I'm about to get attacked by a giant crab monster. You yeah. Know? It's, it's you can best. tell in that read uh, that it feels like it's not like. You know, they're there, they're in a precarious situation, and Obi-Wan yeah. does like a, you know, yeah. he's yeah, not yeah. just making a joke. Like, in that read, he's like mad, and it shows. Yeah. He's yeah. like very upset with Anakin, totally. you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. and it's still funny for that reason, too. Yeah, I, I love, uh, I, I, you know, I love uh, sassy Obi-Wan and, and, you know, a bit of a snark to him. He's It's yeah. the best. But uh, another line that I wanted to mention here, and it's always just been a weird line to me. It's not a very well-known, I guess, uh, Revenge of the Sith line. It's just always been weird to me. And it's when the, they're kind of landing the uh, that big uh, cruiser <laughs> at the beginning. And Obi-Wan's like looking at the readout. And he says, 8 plus 60, we're in the atmosphere. I don't understand that line. <laughs> what is the math that he's doing? It's so weird. There might be an actual like, well, no, he's taking the the whatever plus the whatever. It's just always been odd to me where he just goes eight plus 60. Okay, we're in the atmosphere. It's just like, or you could look at the ship that's on fire. Yeah, that's a pretty yeah, good indication yeah. that you're in the atmosphere. It's insane to me. It's just a weird throwaway line, but that's just always been really funny to I, me. I do want to point out uh, if, if any listeners have not recently rewatched Revenge of the Sith, uh, and you're looking for the worst piece of uh, CGI special effects in the entire prequel trilogy, go ahead and watch that scene. And zoom pause in right the, on their noggins. Pause yeah. the moment where they like land, you know, yeah. and they like crash land and come to a stop. Yeah. yeah. That is, I like accidentally paused on it the last time I watched Revenge of the Sith. And I was yeah. like, oh, oh, what, what is that? It's one of those things that in motion, it looks fine. But when you pause and zoom in, you're like, whoa, those face repla yeah. uh, replacements are a little, are a little tough. Um, I've got another one here. Um, and, Go for uh, it, yeah. uh, from Revenge of the Sith, um, I, uh, this one is also just kind of one of those lines that I would point to, uh, when people are like, Star Wars isn't political. Like, what do you mean? Uh, this is from Revenge of the Sith, which is one of the fan favorite movies. And it's when, uh, Obi-Wan, uh, and Anakin are talking, discussing the corruption. I know exactly corruption. what, know exactly yeah. what you're going to say. Discussing the corruption of the Senate. And Anakin says, the chancellor doesn't appear to be corrupt. And Obi-Wan replies, chancellor Palpatine is a politician. Like, or <laughs> <laughs> he just says like, and Anakin's like, what do you mean? He seems like a great guy. And Kenobi's like, dude, he's a politician. Like, of yeah. course he's corrupt. It seems like he's like, no, it's inherent. Like, you can't not be. Uh, that's a great line. Uh, it's, again, not one of the most famous uh, Obi-Wan lines from Revenge of the Sith, but it's one that you can point to and be like, no, George Lucas is being very pointed uh, yeah. with, with some of the, uh, uh, the, the criticisms that he's having with uh, politicians and just kind of government at the time. Uh, it's a very funny, again, a very snarky, uh, sarcastic kind of a Kenobi line there, a shade of Kenobi that I love to see. I, I also think that that's a great kind of indicator early on of what, you know, what Anakin's views towards things are, because like we talked mm -hmm. about in Attack of the Clones, yeah. um, you know, he's kind of of the belief that he's like, well, maybe one person should just have all the power because that makes sense. Yeah. But mm -hmm. at the same time as defending Palpatine, you're already kind of seeing those shades of yeah. he's dude is too far gone at this point, you know, yeah. Yeah. which is it's cool to see. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, you've got a couple more honorable mentions. Why don't you go ahead and throw it our way? I do. Another uh, joke one and then one uh, serious one. But my joke one is uh, from the Clone Wars movie, actually. Mm, interesting. Uh, when, when Anakin or when, when Obi-Wan says in response to Anakin, at least you're a master at getting caught. <laughs> that to me is one sick of burn the, from like, Kenobi. Yeah, sick burn. It's so weird because like chronologically, one of the many sick burns he'll give Anakin. Ha ha. Ha ha. Nice. That Thank was you. a good one. Thank you. Uh, chronologically, like in the way that we have known this story, it's like yeah, that's has the same energy of you know, of like uh, you know, why do I get the feeling you're going to be the death of me? Yeah. Um, kind of tongue in cheek kind of thing, right? Yeah. But it doesn't actually like matter at this point you know mm-hmm. if he said that in like in revenge of the sith if he said that like on yeah. mustafar anakin oh would just <laughs> like scream him to death yeah just, yeah, yeah. yeah um yeah. i just think that that's a it's a good line it's obviously pointedly written um yeah but it also shows like hey man obi-wan is such a jerk sometimes to him and it's so fun to very watch. funny yeah very um, snarky again yeah uh, my my last honorable mention uh, is something that actually is from uh, Rebels era Obi Wan. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. is the first time uh, that we hear this. I'm not, I'd have to really go back because we see this a lot, and it's it's during uh, Obi Wan's message to the remaining Jedi. Yeah, uh, and it's at the end of his message that he says, "But we must preserve, and in time, a new hope will emerge." One of the best. It's just so like. It's just so good because in Rebels, that's juxtaposed with, you know, with Ezra going to Tatooine. We just talked about this episode, Mm -hmm. uh, Twin Sons, where he goes to Tatooine. Obi-Wan is obviously there protecting Luke. um, And that kind of dichotomy between someone like Ezra and someone like Luke, where Mm -hmm. Obi-Wan is still protecting Ezra, even though like Luke is the new hope uh, and he's there for that purpose. It's just one of that it's one of those things that shows that Obi-Wan really is like, again, he's the poster. He's the golden standard for, for this kind of thing. And I, it's it, yeah. that hologram, especially is something that we've come back to in something like fallen order, something like rebels, other places as well. Bad batch, I believe. Um, yeah. we get a little bit of that and just really gives me chills every single time. Yeah. I think if the movies were made, um, you know, episode one and then six was the most recent one. You know, I, I it seems like this would be a message that would be playing at like the trailer for A New Hope or something yeah, like that. Yeah. You know, because like I, I love those modern trailer like fan edits that they do of the original trilogy or even the prequel trilogy of like, OK, if this is a movie that was going to come out now, what would this trailer look like? And I could just see that moment of like a new hope will emerge and then Luke, you know, hits that lightsaber. It's just like it's such a yeah, it is one of those moments that with with hindsight and when you're kind of, you know, uh, reverse engineering these these yeah. kind of moments and this payoff to happen a payoff that was you know you're you're kind of paying tribute to of a movie that came out decades ago uh it's moments like that yeah i love that that um that message that kenobi has and that that, that line was was uh, very close to making my list here but um i've also got a couple of honorable mentions here um one of which is from revenge of the sith you can say it with me guys you included noah uh it's at the uh the end of the film or towards gonna, the end of the film i was gonna say i could try to say it with you but i know our zoom delay is gonna make <laughs> it sound like absolute garbage we could say it in your mind then so you've got uh, anakin or vader at this time whatever you want to say he says don't lecture me obi-wan i see through the lies of the jedi i do not fear the dark side as you do i have brought 
uh, peace, freedom, justice, and security to my new empire, to which Obi-Wan says, your new empire, Vader says, don't make me kill you. And this is the line that I have chosen. Obi-Wan says, Anakin, my allegiance is to the Republic, to democracy. It's one <laughs> of the best. It's just like that whole scene has just been, as feel like the Pledge of Allegiance for <laughs> our generation yeah, of yeah. Star Wars fans. But the gumption that Ewan says, to democracy, it's just one of the best. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's it, not really any more deeper meaning there. Uh, I'm sure you could you could derive some for that entire conversation with Anakin there. Uh, but I uh, I just really love that line. And as far as uh, this list is concerned, it's mostly kind of a comedic, just almost like the power of memes. But yeah. uh, in most Star Wars, you can find some depth there. And we'll probably have that kind of conversation eventually. Uh, my last honorable mention, I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't mention it in this uh, here episode. It's the Obi-Wan Kenobi line from A New Hope, where he says, Mossisely, Spaceport, you will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. Uh, of course, we had to mention it here on this podcast for obvious reasons. I expected uh, it. Exactly. But it's also just this great Star Wars line of, okay, we're going to this dangerous city. How do we set up the, the this danger and establish that? They are in danger and foreshadow this danger they will face. You have a great kind of silly, pulpy kind of line like that. So uh, that, Noah, does it for our honorable mentions, which takes us into our number one choice here. Very curious to see what you have as your number one pick. Well, here's something that I thought... Uh is maybe a little bit unorthodox. Mm-hmm. Um, it is far and away my favorite Obi-Wan line. And I'll tell you this much. I don't know why. I don't know why it's my favorite. And I wanted to pose it to you as like, what do you kind of get from this conversation? But this quote specifically, is okay. there any like insight that you have? Because I know my feelings on it. Um, I don't know why I love it so much, but I think I kind of understand like, how it lends to his character, how it lends to the interaction. Uh, but the line is from Phantom Menace. Uh, okay. And it's very near to the beginning uh, where Qui-Gon says uh, to Obi-Wan Kenobi, he says, don't center on your anxieties, Obi-Wan. Keep your concentration here and now where it belongs. And Obi-Wan says, but Master Yoda says I should be mindful of the future. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but that line that Obi-Wan <laughs> says is just such a, like, it sticks in my brain as, like, you know, being introduced to these characters for the first time ever, you know, if, if you're imagining that. Yeah. What is the character that you get from Obi-Wan? Obviously, now we have so much more to go on. We have this idea that he, too, was sort of reckless like Anakin was. He, mm-hmm. too, was kind of that kid that wanted to you know, really have that freedom of being a Jedi, but has learned so much from so many different masters. And the conversation almost feels like, you know, we get this idea of Qui-Gon as well, um, you know, that where before that he's like, I don't sense anything, right? Where, yeah, he's probably right. Like, it's not like they're in immediate danger, but Obi-Wan has learned so much uh, already to the point where, He's asking about feelings that he's getting. He's, you know, concerned about their safety in a way that's, you know, very attuned to his thoughts and attuned to the future. Um, Mm -hmm. And Qui-Gon's response is not at all like contrarian to what Master Yoda might have taught Obi-Wan. It's not at all. Yeah. Because he says, you know, but not at the expense of the moment. 
be mindful of the living force. That sort of thing is like, yeah, absolutely. Of course. Like Qui-Gon is the one who would absolutely say something like that. So why is, you know, why does it feel like Obi-Wan is being scolded? Is he being scolded? I don't know. I just have so many thoughts and I can't seem to wrap my head around it in a way that like perfectly sums it up. What do you think? Well, I I don't think if you would have given me like a dozen picks or guesses for what your number one line would be, I don't think this would pop up in there. I'm very interested that you picked this one. This is a fascinating line to choose, but it makes me think of... So if you, like you had said, you are trying to establish a younger version of Kenobi. I think it makes a lot of sense to demonstrate his kind of immaturity at this time um, and kind of this wanderlust attitude that he sort of is having at this moment and showing at least that this responsibility that is about to, by the end of this movie, be put on his shoulders, not against his will, but against what was maybe originally intended for him. I think it's a great way to call back to a line in uh, Empire Strikes Back when Yoda is talking to Luke uh, and he's talking about um, uh, Luke's not readiness to to begin this training and he says uh, all his life he was looked away uh, to the future to the horizon never his mind on where he was hmm what he was doing you know (laughs) it's one of my favorite Yoda moments it's so so funny never here now (laughs) Yeah, that yeah. In Last just, Jedi, also, yeah, yeah, just bonking his head, and again, I, we can talk about that Last yeah, Jedi yeah. line, but um, I think it's it's a, a really brilliant way that Lucas is demonstrating that 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 wise old master who fans had established with wisdom so long is this literally is like an old wizard uh, and the kind of the pinnacle uh, second to maybe Yoda in the original trilogy of wisdom and that someone like Luke, the immature character, looked to for guidance, you know. I think it's a really brilliant way to establish that this is a different Obi-Wan that we are familiar with seeing and one that is a lot more younger and immature to the degree that he still has a lot to learn and that his opportunity to learn is maybe a little bit cut short and that he is is granted not with this burden of Anakin, but there's responsibility of Anakin maybe a little bit too early, uh, which eventually is kind of the the downfall of that and something that we've talked to, um, talk, you and I have talked about uh, leading into the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. So it's, I think it's an unconventional pick for you, but I also can kind of understand the reasoning behind it. Thanks, man. I'll, I'll take that as a compliment, honestly. <laughs> you know, when you said I'm going to the Phantom Menace, I thought you were going to be, uh, to say you're right about one thing, master, the negotiations, the negotiations were, were short. <laughs> That's just the, it is the greatest of all it's time. So it's funny. my favorite. Yeah. It's so, so funny. I remember that was like one of the first, like, um, kind of meme, YouTube kind of videos that I remember seeing when I was, when I was young is just like, uh, they cut, uh, that line where he says that and they'd cut back to Qui-Gon and him just like sitting in silence of this terrible joke that Kenobi made. But, um, <laughs> that's a great choice, Noah, for your number one pick, which leads me to my number All one right. Star Wars pick. And one that I find myself quoting a lot. And I think it kind of has this really nice double meaning. And I think, Lucas as a writer is it's one of his best kind of in hindsight is just it seems like proves that Lucas really knew what he had here and it really was something that what he had in his mind and that he wanted to gift to people was something truly special um, and it's right uh, in, in New Hope right after Luke 
kind of successful successfully parries the blot the the dodges or the um uh, parries the attacks of the the uh remote training droid there and he says mm-hmm. uh luke is proud of himself and he's like i did it I, I i felt like it was there and he says good you have taken your first steps into a larger world it's a quote that i really find myself repeating a lot because i think it is this really great not only in universe moment of this is an opportunity that Kenobi has been waiting for for so long and that he has been looking to this kid to be this new hope and now it's finally here this opportunity that he has is finally here and even though he doesn't have a lot of time with Luke he has sent him on this journey and Luke has taken those first steps into a world that he truly it's not just the force that he's talking about it's this entirely new world that he has not seen throughout his entire life I think you have that really great kind of wisdom and and kind of proudness that Obi-Wan has in this moment. And that this, this kid that he puts so much stock into and so much hope into him, I think he's, he's proud that he was able to, to kind of take his first steps and like use the force really for the first time. You know, yeah. I, I think that yeah. that's a really great moment, but then I also have this out of universe kind of moment to where, as fans, we are also taking this first step. And A New Hope is always the movie that I show to people for the first time if they've never watched Star Wars. And it does kind of feel like you are taking your first steps into the Star Wars fandom. And this is this is that how the world was introduced to Star Wars. And I truly believe that Lucas knew what he had. And even though at times it might have seemed bleak and, and like an uphill battle because of production issues that have been very publicly uh, recognized of A New Hope and are almost kind of famous underdog story at this point. But I think Lucas really believed in the story that he was telling and understand the gift that he had to give to the world. Uh, it's one of my favorite Kenobi lines, and it's one that I find myself repeating um, a lot. And yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's uh, just really excellent. One of the things that I love about that is obviously it's double usage um, with someone like Ray um, in The Force Awakens. Oh, yeah. Uh, obviously not word for word, but, um, you know, close enough. It's yeah. still obviously the that's the same idea. What I love about that double usage is it it really kind of paints a picture of someone like Luke and someone like Ray being you know, one and the same, the same story, the same background, this Mm -hmm. idea of, yeah, it can really be anybody taking those steps. Totally. You know, what the important thing there is, is that uh, it's, it's something that I love kind of, uh, juxtaposing with someone like Anakin, where Mm -hmm. with someone like Luke or Ray, even Obi-Wan can't, you know, pick up Luke's feet and move them for him. He can't yeah. pick, you know, and, and totally. Luke can't pick up Ray's feet and move them for her. Mm-hmm. It is that person taking their steps. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously it's that, that kind of old adage of the doors open. It's mm-hmm. your choice, whether or not you're going to walk through it. Yeah. Um, where as someone like Anakin, the seeing, you know, the place where Anakin failed was that burden of responsibility, not only on Anakin, but on Obi-Wan as mm-hmm. his master, where there's a difference there. And and the way that he so gingerly, you know, takes Luke under his wing, um, you know, even now, this is going to be so deeply recontextualized with just the trailer of Obi-Wan saying, when the time comes, he must be trained. Yeah. Kind of full well at that point later, like after he, you know, begins training Luke, kind of full well knowing that his place is to sacrifice himself 
against Vader. Um, and that's, you know, that will eventually be his responsibility, uh, you know, of some kind. Uh, and Luke is going to have to continue that path on his yeah. own. Yeah. Um, whether or not, you know, Obi-Wan's like, all right, here's the plan. You guys go do this thing. Okay. And then I'm going to go get sliced in half. Uh, yeah. Be right back. You know, no, not exactly that, but his knowledge of the fact that Luke is going to have to do this alone, he's going to do this, not alone, but he's going to have to make that choice on his own rather. Um, it's -hmm. just something that colors that, you know, these are your first steps into a larger world is, uh, you know, it's big, it is big. It's, you know, but it doesn't feel empty or lonely, even though Luke is on his own, you know? Mm -hmm. And I I think it's going to be one of the many things that is recontextualized because of this new series. And there's like a couple of other moments I could point to in a new hope. Um, when, you know, right after Leia, he sees this message of Leia. He's not like, all right, I guess I got to go save the universe. He's like, Hey, you want to come with me? Cause yeah. it's, it's, you're the, you're the new hope man. And it's, it's not a line, but if it was, you know, if we could have nonverbal lines in this, it would probably be my number one. And it's something that I think this new series has the opportunity to do, but something that has been recontextualized for me. And it is kind of this in the similar vein as this is, and we've talked about it before that when, when Luke and Leia are reunited and, and Ben looks over and sees them together about to go on the Falcon and he then sacrifices himself. And it's kind of like, he's saying my job's done here. Like I, I've, yeah. done, I've fulfilled my role and I can continue to usher Luke along onto these next steps to go train with Yoda and to, you know, uh, use the force and the, you know, the, the trench run and everything. He's kind of finally put these pieces in motion and, uh, yeah, you're right. It is up to us, uh, you know, as, as people yeah. to, if we want to be that change and it could be big change, uh, revolutionary change, small changes on our life of I'm from a small town and I want to move on to bigger and better things all it takes is a first step. And I think that this is a line that has um, a lot of heavy meaning within the movie, but also outside of it too. And one that you can adopt into your own life as well. A lot of wisdom here from Kenobi. It's definitely something that I think, you know, everybody should definitely take into account in terms of what it means for yourself. Obviously, you know, that's one of the biggest things of Star Wars is how does this, you know, how does this translate to me? Um, Yeah. And it's, it's just... Oh man, knowing that we're going to be getting a lot of good stuff coming down the pipe with, with Obi-Wan and feeling more of that kind of, you know, translating his wisdom into what, you know, what can I do with that? That's what Star Wars is all about. I'm just totally boy, what a heartfelt episode this week. (laughs) Yeah. Like we said, it was going to be a big episode. We knew it was going to be a little bit longer than last week's episode, uh, surprisingly. Um, But we had lots of stuff uh, to discuss today. Uh, Do you have any final thoughts, Noah, before we uh, go ahead and close out this episode? And it will be the second to last episode before Star Wars Celebration. Do you want to give us a little bit of a tease on what you uh, fans can look forward to uh, for next week of our episodes? Yeah, so next week we're going to be getting into, you know, approaching this weekend uh, of a lot of news. Who knows what this podcast is going to look like when <laughs> when that's happening. Still uh, got to figure that one out. We're like, how the hell wait, are we yeah. covering this thing? <laughs> we're going to have to wait and see, but we will yeah. be there to cover it. And before that, uh, we will be diving into our big topic, which is what are the top three things that we are most anticipating, most hopeful for to learn, discover, mm-hmm. see, whatever at yes. Star Wars Celebration this year. This mm-hmm. is going to be a big year. 
Oh, um, yeah. Obviously, there will be a lot to cover, but we wanted to take time uh, in this upcoming episode uh, to look at what, what kind of things are we hopeful for? Yeah. Are they mostly things that we'll probably definitely get? Maybe. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Maybe Garrett will come out of left field and say that he's, you know, really hoping for a first look of the now pushed ahead series, a droid story, which premieres (laughs) next (laughs) month. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. But whatever it holds. Yeah. It's not going to be a wish list of if these things don't happen, then it's a failure of a celebration. Not at all. It's just like it's been so long since we've had this opportunity to gather together as star Wars fans. And I know you won't be able to join us there physically, but I, I know you're going to be watching the, uh, the, the, the virtual panels and mm-hmm. experiencing that love. And even though there's going to be a whole host of people who can't be at star Wars celebration, it's still an opportunity to just be like reminded of what brings us all together as star Wars fans and to celebrate all of the different corners. And especially this year when we're celebrating attack of the clones, one of the most controversial star Wars movies until the next one that made uh it's it even still that we can come together and celebrate something like that and that no this this is a chapter of the larger tapestry that is star wars and and we love it because of that so very excited to uh to be looking forward to star wars celebration and to also have star wars celebration so uh noah until then when you want to go ahead and uh, wrap it up and take us home absolutely thank you guys so much for tuning in with us we hope you learned something today if there's any topics or bits of news you think we should cover, you can head on over to our Twitter and shoot us a message at scumvillainpod. But for now, this has been Scum and Villainy with Noah to George. And Garrett McDowell. And may the force be with you. We'll see you next time. See you guys. See you guys.